listening, everybody. Peace, love, jujitsu. Us. We're rolling. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode 101. 101. You can turn, starting, like a recent, like, turn your phone upside down. Same episode number. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu Dummies 101. <laughs> yeah. Level 100 class. Brought to you by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need to build your business on and offline. So website design, Google ads, graphic design, printing, t-shirts, things like that. All that stuff. Check them out. Check us out at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram or our website, bbdigitalmarketing.com. Request a free review of your online presence today. My name is Milton Campus. Hello. The Brown Belt Training out of South Florida. Bo behind the camera. Ooh. Miguel riding shotgun. We got pistols today. <laughs> Shout out to Britt, our booking manager. Thank you for setting up uh, all these awesome guests. Don't forget to like, comment, share, and click that subscribe button. We'd really appreciate the support. Uh, don't forget to uh, also click the notification button on YouTube. Right, it'll notify you when we have a new episode it helps coming the show. out. Yes, please. Um, uh, and uh, stick around. We're uh, going to be joined by third degree black belt Emily Kwok in just a little bit. So an OG of the game. A uh, few quick shout outs here. Uh, thank you to our friends over at Flow and Roll. Hands down, they have the best custom gi and no gi gear in the business. I always say, don't believe us. Legitimate check out their Instagram and just look at all the incredible stuff that they post. At flow underscore n underscore roll, right? Um, just buy one rash guard. Rash guards, gis, patches, belts. t-shirts, belts, embroidered belts, keychains. You got it all. If you're into that. Um, flowandroll.com, right? Visit the site. You get 20% off with code JJD on your online order, not your like custom gear order for your whole gym, but 20% off of anything you buy online. And then, again, check out the, the custom work, the custom gis and no gi, no gi gear that they create and design for academies throughout the entire country. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like when, when I see the names, I'm like, I'm so happy and proud. Like he's just like growing. He's doing it. New academies. I see yeah. it. Um, he just did something for like Caribbean, like not only roll, is Caribbean the rollers. Mm-hmm. It's like a really cool shirt. And it was like uh, two like yeah. skeleton, I think it was like skeleton. Yeah, it was, guys uh, I think it was collar sleeve or spider lasso. I can't quite remember the move. So again, get 20% off with code JJD at flowandroll.com. You can also still get your hands, right? We got our pre-order going for the Peace Love Jiu-Jitsu tee. Uh, we should have thrown it up on the screen. Um, we're going to run the pre-order for probably another couple of weeks, and then we're going to actually get the order in, and then they'll actually, we'll start to stock it. And, and then the contest is going to be over. Yeah, then the contest, uh, once we come out of the pre-order, then we'll award the contest winner the $250 yeah. worth of jiu-jitsu gear for purchasing anything from any of our sponsors. Um, purchase something and send us the receipt on Instagram or at info at jujitsudummies.com. There you go. All right. Uh, thank you to the BJJ box. We're going to do a, an unboxing in a little bit, so we're going to hold off on their full... Stick around, y'all. Yeah, we're going to hold off on their, f- their full the shout-out. We'll talk a little bit more about them uh, uh, towards the middle of the episode. Uh, but thank you to Neutral Zone Clean. Check them out at NeutralZoneClean.com and at NeutralZoneClean on Instagram and Facebook. Now, we always like to say that right, we, uh, we're sponsored by both Neutral Zone CBD and Neutral Zone Clean. 
These are two completely different products. The neutral zone clean products do not have CBD in it. So it's really yeah. cool. Hygiene. Sprays. These are hygiene products. They have. We're going to have uh, the shower gels pretty soon. Uh, we've got the individual soaps that I tried out. Awesome. I'm excited. Um, they're they gonna went be with the black us. box. What's that? They went with the black box. They went with the black box. Still cool. Love Still it. Still cool. Uh, we've got soaps coming. We've got shower gels in multiple sizes. We've got the bucket. Uh, the Paul, bucket. Can you see the bucket here? All right. We got the bucket. So, okay, so we got a couple of cool specials with them, right? So you can order anything from the site with coupon code JJD, get 15% off. Mm-hmm. So that's one, right? If you are a gym owner, you're running an event, and you want to have the nice bucket with the wipes, right? Pull the, yeah. bu- the wipes out, you got the bucket, right? Sharing is caring. You can use code JJDGIFT, G-I-F-T. Um, you're going to get $10.99 off. So the cost of the bucket goes down from it's about one oh nine down to ninety nine dollars and free shipping. That's twelve hundred wipes. Again, this is perfect for the gym. She's having your academy, a wrestling events, IBJJF, new breed, whatever. Okay. So again, check that out. If you order the bucket and use that coupon code again, you're gonna get free shipping. If you order anything else, they're also just gonna give you free shipping. So yeah. they're going to just throw it in the same shipment. So if you want to refill, you want the spray, you want the wipes, you're going to get it for free as well. And send okay? us your receipt. And then shout out to Neutral Zone CBD. No matter if your aches and pains are coming from lifting weights at the gym or rolling on the mats, uh, just a daily grind of life, Neutral Zone has a product for you. Find your Neutral Zone by finding the best products for your pain wellness so you can continue your active lifestyle. The roll-on is always my favorite. That roll-on goes right in my bag. I take it out of my bag. I put it up there because I keep on stealing it. Yeah. Uh, love it for my neck, lower back pain. You know, I I, I know it sounds weird. I you know I'm at the computer all day, yeah. a little neck pain. I put it goes away almost immediately. Um, it's not like these other sprays. It's, there's just something different about it. I carry it in my in my my backpack and and what slash briefcase let's call it um everywhere i go just in case get a little ache and pain in the car remember the other day you're like saw me walking by you're like why are you sweating (laughs) i just put the roll on on it scratches the itch yeah check them out at neutralzonecbd.com and once again it is or did we give out the coupon code there yet it is 25 percent off with code JJD. Whole quarter. All right. We've actually, uh, we've uh, this this will come out after Black Friday, so they'll have run some really cool Black Friday specials. So we're actually doing some graphics for them that they're going to post. And, cool uh, beans. There's some cool stuff coming. All right. Uh, that is it. Let's get Emily in here, brother. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm awesome. How are you guys? Good, good. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. A little pre-show for- comedy. Thanks for accommodating my schedule. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. Only, only like the top of the heap. <laughs> only for the for the big dogs. For most people, were like, no. yeah, let them know. No, it's seven o'clock. <laughs> yeah. You got. We be asked spe- you. Remember, we asked you. You got to yeah, be good. special. Uh, if, if we if we deviate from seven or from Thursday. If you, yeah. If you, we're filming on another day. You got it. You'd be like, yeah. You're definitely they, special. They know status. who's boss. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive in. I uh, I would not going to start from like, hey, when did you when did you find jujitsu? Uh, Why I'm, not? I'm Why actually, not? That's what everybody wants. To yeah. Know. No. We're, we're gonna get to that. I'm gonna I'm gonna like, I'm gonna do it backwards. It's like we're counting the wrong way. Um, I am very. I'm halfway through your Lupe fiasco. Mm. Um, 
uh, episode. I actually listened because when I found, I was looking for a podcast to do a little research, um, I came across a couple that you were on, uh, and then I saw yours and realized, okay, this this looks like a, I saw one that said conclusion, okay, limited series, and I listened to the conclusion first, and then I was just like, okay, I like what I'm hearing. Let me go back and listen to an episode, and I started at, at the first one. So, tell us about the project. Tell us, tell everybody the name of, of the podcast, and tell us about the project. And I believe you're gonna be coming back with a with a season two. Maybe. 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 <laughs> maybe. So the maybe if you're lucky. Maybe. Um so I mean, okay, this is called the Jujitsu Dummies. Mm-hmm. So maybe people would be questioning why Emily's gonna come on here and talk about her <laughs> own podcast. But I promise it has something to do with jujitsu or learning. Uh so my project that I launched um I guess fairly a couple of years ago was called The Master and the Apprentice. And I am actually super interested, as I would think many practitioners um, are at a certain level of, I would say, depth and sophistication in your game. You go from uh, watching and repeating and imitating everything that you see on the five kajillion instructionals that there are now. Yeah. And you start, right, You, you start to question, oh, like, how much of this do I know? Or do I know anything at all? Or as it's been rightly pointed out to me by other black belts, man, everybody's very confused in their jujitsu because there's so much jujitsu. There's a lot of quantity, not a lot of quality. And uh, over the pandemic, I was on uh, this audio app that maybe some people have heard of called Clubhouse. And uh, for people who never heard of it, it was this invite-only app initially where someone would invite you on board and it was almost like you were having a live podcast and then you could invite people up into your podcast to either ask a question or become part of the discussion and it ranged in topics like people could be talking about anything Uh, i think early on there were a lot of influencers in the tech field and some celebrities and musicians uh, and then it expanded so when i got on board i was just kind of bumping through a number of the rooms and uh, I came across a room with being hosted by Lupe Fiasco. And I thought to myself, like, this is the, the musician, like the rap artist Lupe Fiasco. So I jumped into his room and I started listening to him talk and he was talking about martial arts. And so I decided to ask a question. We started a little bit of a dialogue. And uh, shortly thereafter, he friended me on the he started following me on the app. And I was just like, oh, that, that, you know, that's kind of cool. And I figured maybe there was a little bit of a loose connection because uh, I'm sponsored by Show Your Rule. And he's sort of loosely sponsored by Show Your Rule, even though he doesn't practice jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's awesome. we kind of had this, uh, I don't know, uh, these these like sort of light connections in the background. And I found myself going on the app. Uh, quite a bit during that period of time because we weren't able to get out and socialize that much. And I would end up joining a bunch of rooms with him. And I would find that he was a really fascinating individual. Uh, We know him for his most public-facing venture, which is being a rap artist. But as I was listening to him and as we got deeper into conversation, turns out he had a background in the martial arts. He was raised in a martial arts family. Um, He's also an artist. I studied fine arts and we started hosting rooms together. Uh, We had a Sunday art battle, this and that. 
And I just grew to have a lot of respect for the individual that he was. And it occurred to me, you know, I was just very curious about his process. Like, how did he become a rap artist of all things when he was clearly so well versed in so many different areas? And um, I met a lot of interesting people on Clubhouse in, in the first couple of weeks. I made some pretty decent friends who are still friends today. And they all kind of seem to be hovering in the space of they've they've made it in, in some capacity. And I was just given some access to talking to them as a person. And I was very curious about how they made it, that sort of the ladder or the stage in between. And uh, I really started to find that audio was a, a great format for me. I loved being able to flow in conversation with different guests and uh, audio when you isolate the senses to just sound, it's incredible how much you can pick apart garbage, like what the noise is versus what real quality is. And so I would find these incredible guests and I thought, you know what, I want to find a way to put this together as a project. And for a long time, I've wanted to transcend jujitsu because I think that a lot of the things that we learn in jujitsu that keep us super engaged with it are not just jujitsu things, you know, like I think as we train, we find that we find ourselves, we learn a lot about life. And so I thought, you know what, wouldn't it be cool if I could take all of these various disciplines and mediums and find a way to uh, interconnect audiences. And so that's what I did. I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to find uh, a number of quality guests. I'm going to limit it because I'm sure I have a ton of respect for what you guys do that when you start something, uh, sometimes you're constantly reaching back into the bag, trying to find a better quality guest. And how do you keep the bar high? And I am very, uh, I'm very much somebody who tries to follow the principle of quality over quantity. And I didn't want to dilute the quality of the guest. So I said, you know what, let's go with 10. I can handle 10. Um, it also doesn't add an additional workload for onto me for years and years and years. And and that's what I did. And so I launched this project. I approached some people that I really admired and respected, and I asked them to explore that space with me. Were, were most, if not all of them, from that clubhouse relationship, uh, relationship say, you formed there? Yeah, I would say about 50% of them. The ones that were, the ones that were sort of more straddling the art, um, music, you know, that, that, that realm, the creative realm, uh, I got to speak to an incredible photographer as well. Uh, I think, you know, it was only right that I reach out to a couple jujitsu people. Uh, I've also started trying to learn how to surf. So I had some of my surf friends reach out and put me in touch with uh, individuals in that capacity. And also in terms of curating guests, I thought it was important to have that be a reflection of the diversity in my world. So um, I'm not sure how many people picked up on it, but five of the guests were female, five of them were male. We have a lot of different, uh, you know, ethnicities and backgrounds in there, in there as well. Um, but I, I thought that was important to also demonstrate because uh, as a female coming up in a very male dominated sport, I think in order for all of us to find our way within it, we have to have a little bit more of an inclusive approach. And something that I've noticed as a female at the head of the room is that you're much more li likely to appeal to a broader base of individuals when someone sees someone like themselves in the room. So, uh, yeah, so that was my, my approach. Absolutely. Well, I, I love what I've heard so far and, and I will hopefully get through the entire series and, and look forward to the second who, do you have a favorite guest? Was there anybody that stood out? We don't want to offend anybody, but they're not <laughs> going to watch this. 
<laughs> they're not going to watch. <laughs> they're not going to hear us. <laughs> you know, I, I would say that each guest taught me something different. Um, everyone taught me something different. And, you know, the fourth episode, I interviewed Dominico Oblionete, who's also a jujitsu athlete. And we explore our relationship because in many ways she was a student of mine and we've evolved uh, as a student and teacher. And sometimes she teaches me things now, you know. Um, of course, I, I think if you're listening to the Lupe episode, you can clearly hear how intelligent the man is. Like he's pretty phenomenal yeah. in all accounts. Uh, and he's just a, he's a decent human being. And so I really enjoyed speaking with him. But, you know, recently I've been working on some projects uh that are kind of pushing pushing the boundary of i guess what we know or what's acceptable and the episode that i recorded with bear from show your role really uh i think is quite a genius episode when it comes to branding and creating culture and and i've been referring back to a quote that he says in there uh, about you know if you're not changing the culture then like what the hell are you doing right or what the f are you doing you know, uh, you can say it, say it. We got the bell. Wait, <laughs> we're gonna go like every time you drop it. We're waiting for you see? Miguel Miguel is like he's waiting for it. <laughs> I told you I could catch sweating. myself. I told you I could be, be I, I can be proper. Yeah. Um so you know it's it's come up a few times recently where I have been thinking about this that you know, like we I don't want to be someone in this world to just do more of the same. I, I believe that I've been put here to push the boundaries and to change the norms. And so um, his words have been resonating with me a lot recently. But I uh, I remember when I approached all of the guests and I asked them to be on the show and I released the full roster, all of the guests wrote back to me and they were just like, wow, like you're going to put me on the roster with these people. And so like I, that makes me feel good because I think there's a ton of mutual respect for yeah. For what all these people know game rec game recognizes game yeah, that's yeah, what it was yeah. the whole list looked at the list and they were like that's a list <laughs> time to step it up <laughs> so so let's go back now let's go back a little bit I, that was so it's so fresh in my head I, I wanted to talk to you about that but let's go back to you starting jujitsu and obviously you know if I, i'm listening to your podcast i heard you tell the story of of how you came to new york um, your relationship with your dad about him disowning you. Do you mind going into that a little bit and talk, tell everybody, you know, what brought you to the States and, uh, mm -hmm. and the beginning of your jujitsu journey? Yeah. I mean, I think I would even rewind it a little bit more than that. And, uh, I'm, I'm half Japanese and half Chinese, uh, born in Japan, raised in Canada. I was a very good, obedient Asian girl, mm. uh, got my straight A's, did all my clubs, and actually, that's what got me into trouble. I was I was a really good kid, but my parents did not like the fact that I was outgoing and that I, you know, wanted to go figure out who I was. So it created a bit of tension when I was a preteen that I was joining clubs and spending a lot of time outside of the house. And my father, I would say, was uh, someone who I don't think was very happy in his career. I recall as a child, we would draw a lot together. And I remember him being such a phenomenal artist. And I see this happen a lot where people who are truly creatively spirited kind of stuff it in exchange for sort of, you know, quote unquote, a legitimate, proper, safe job. And so uh, my father did that. And I found him to be a pretty miserable person when I was in my teen years. 
And uh, we had an incident one night when I was 14 where I didn't bring the garbage can in uh, from the curb. And he got very upset at me and kicked me out of the house. Now, it was not my responsibility, but he just kind of blew a gasket that day and I left. And I remember feeling in that moment uh, pretty dejected and low. And I don't think I quite found the words for it until much later in life, but I really think that at that time, I sort of emancipated myself from my family emotionally. And in some ways, I think it's kind of what's given me the balls to go do what I feel like doing all the time. Because people are like, how did you how'd you do this? How did you do that? And I'm like, I just don't give a damn. Like, I don't give a damn. And in some ways, I think I don't give a damn because my parents at that age who, form, you know, formatively should have been supporting me did not. And so I think it made my, my, myself feel like, hey, I can only be accountable to myself for my own actions. So let me go figure this out. Um, you know, it was a blow up. I was back home 24 hours later. I went through school with flying colors, but I disappointed my parents again when I chose to go to art school and not go to university. And uh, when I was 19, I looked up the opportunity to move to New York with a student work visa. I had always wanted to go to New York because as an artist, that's where all the big art was. So I found a job um, through, on the early days of the internet. Uh, I was going to be assistant managing a shop in Soho. And uh, I had reached out to the shopkeepers and they had agreed to put me up with their accountant. Um, their accountant had a family and they lived in Westchester, which for anyone that's familiar with the tri-state area, it's sort of like a, 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 an upper middle class um, neighborhood outside of New York. And uh, I was like, great, I'm going to call you guys three weeks before I'm going to go and uh, just arrange our plans. So I, I called them three weeks before I was supposed to leave. And they told me that they had fired their accountant. And so mm. I no longer had a place to live. I was 19, never lived on my own before, had no friends or family in New York City. And I kind of, you know, crumbled. And at that moment, my father said to me, if he, he goes, you know, you should just go on vacation and come back. Like, I don't think you should do this. But I was so set on having this adventure in New York City that when time came to go, um, actually, sorry, rewind. The same day I lost the apartment or lost the place to live, I was contacted by someone uh, from a, a website called, uh, it was like a room, roommate match finder. And... Uh, an individual had reached out to me and said he had a room available in a two-bedroom apartment in Union City, which is right across from New York. And somehow in our conversation, uh, we started talking on the phone that night. It never came up that I wasn't in New York. And three, four hours of conversation later, the sun is coming up in New York City. I'm in Vancouver. And he says, well, Emily, you sound awesome. If you want to come by and check out the place, I think this place is yours. And I said, well, I'd really like to, but I can't do that because I, I don't live there. And he said, well, where do you live? And I said, I live in Vancouver, British Columbia. I don't know if you know where that is. And he's like, what the fuck? He's like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, that's two. Ding, dings. That's, yeah, that's two. And he says, I'm going there next week on a business trip. And he's like, would you feel okay or would your parents feel okay if we met up? And then you would know, like, who's renting the apartment out and you could, you know, if that, if that would be good for you. And I said, I would love that. So complete coincidence, serendipity at work comes out. I meet him and his girlfriend. I agree to move in with them, but my father flips 
you know, like it the was not good. Say it. He the fuck out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, so my father then decides to disown me if I decide to oh. leave. Uh, and of course, you know, in the moment it was very scary, but in reality, it was a scare tactic to try to control me right from doing something that freaked them out. I decided to go anyways, because I felt like if I didn't do it, I would regret it the rest of my life and I would probably resent them the rest of my life. So I went and, uh, I had seven, $700 cash in my pocket and a credit card and that was it. And it was either I was going to make it or I wasn't. <laughs> Wow. But I was like, I am not going back to Vancouver with my tail between my legs. I'm going to fucking make it. That's and here a, I am. Yeah. So you came That's for awesome. the job. When does jujitsu come into play? Is that immediate? So the, no. So the first year, um, the first year I hadn't been training jujitsu. I, you know, it's funny, depending on when you knew me, you either knew that I was going to become a famous artist or I was going to kill people for the rest of my life. <laughs> And, uh, it wasn't until I went back to Vancouver later that fall in 99 that I started doing jujitsu. So I did one stint in New York. I came back to Vancouver. I started training jujitsu. I went to art school the following year. I went back. And so for the next three years, I went to study in Vancouver and then I would come back to New York every summer for one or two semesters and I would just live and work. And it was during that second year that I, in 2000, when I started training at, uh, at Henzo's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you went back, did you feel like it, did you know you were going to go back or you wanted to come the first time and you really felt like you were going to stay, but, or did you know, no, I am going to go back and I'm going to go to school. Or was it like your parents like, come back, you can do, go to art school. Well, I knew that I, I knew that I had a student work visa and I wanted to be a legal immigrant you know i didn't want to screw myself up so the initial summer i thought i'd go for four to eight months you know um but it's i don't know how many of you or your listeners have had the experience of being somewhere and just feeling completely aligned in that place but uh our essence of home is really interesting and i had never felt like vancouver was home to me like it just felt very superficial all the time and the first time I ever laid eyes on the New York City skyline flying over in a Cathay Pacific jet before my flight landed at JFK. I was just like, this is home. Like this feels like where I'm supposed to be. And, uh, and it really has been, you know, like it's where I came to set some roots down. And so after I had my first experience being here, I thought, you know what, I have to do everything I can to come back. And so I spent the next five years of my life trying to figure out how to legitimately come back. And I mean, it's a, uh, it's a long story, but it's a story that's filled with a lot of serendipity and individuals who dropped out of the universe to make it happen. But I was meant to be here. <laughs> so when you first stepped on that mat, that that's in Vancouver, you started, you just make, did, was it love at first sight? Was it like, oh, this is, or was it more like, okay, that was okay. I, I, I kind of have the sense, a lot of people's like, you either really love it or you hate it. There's not a lot of in between the in between or the or the blue belts that fall off, you know, and you don't ever see again. Well, I mean, look, I think when you're talking about people that may have started jujitsu when I did like 99, 2000, it's a different experience from somebody who's starting jujitsu now. Mm -hmm. uh, it's gentrified a lot. Um, I know that at my school, I give people a completely different experience from what I started with. 
I think in my time, if you didn't really want to fight, you weren't going to stick around. The conditions were inhospitable. There was no reason. We were not great teachers of jujitsu now. We were terrible teachers of it back then. Um, and so I had a bit of a bumpy start because I initially started trying to box and I was terrible at boxing. And then I tried Russian Sambo and then I wasn't allowed to train Sambo because the uh, instructor and the people in my class didn't feel that women should be training Sambo. So I kept showing up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, I want to fight. I want to fight. Um, and it was actually one of my best friends, Roy Duquette in Vancouver, who owns, uh, he now owns Spartacus Gym on Commercial Drive. But Roy kind of took me under his wing and would help me out with a little bit of jujitsu here and there. And then eventually I found a classmate who brought me to um, a community center that had a Brazilian jujitsu program. And he said, look, you'll be able to train here because the people here are Canadian and, uh, you know, they, they allow girls to train. And I was like, great. So that's where I started, I, I would say, officially training. And the first time I did it, it was really frustrating and really hard, but it was super novel. And I saw at the time we had one or two women in the class and it was just sort of a recreational community center activity. You know, like we'd throw the mats down two or three times a week and you would like, you know, look the program up in the in the uh, activity books every every uh, season. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to sign up for jujitsu for ninety five dollars for three months. <laughs> and when I did it, that's a deal. And I, yeah, I, back then. <laughs> oh, my God. Um yeah. And, and so I saw a couple of women doing it and I just admired the fact that they could fight dudes. And so I was like, I want to do that. And so I just, I just kept going like a dummy. I just kept going. Yeah. We get it. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dummies, yeah. Literally it's like the, yeah. the dummies. I'm, I'm a sucker. For yeah. Sure. I, I was, I think I fell in love. Like what you, I equate what you just said about like you saw the skyline, you yes. know, I was watching UFC religiously and I'm like, I need to know that ground part. I thought, you know, I thought I knew how to fight and I'd always have a punching bag at the house and I started to watch YouTube videos on, on, you know, how to kick and, you know, and, but I was in love. I, when I went to jujitsu, it was like, I was already in before I even went. I, I knew mm -hmm. that it was going to be something I wanted to do. So I felt that way about it. And then it just sucked me in nine years later. I'm, you know, every, yeah. my, I, I love saying this. My wife says, you look like jujitsu threw up on you. I've got the tattoo. <laughs> I've got the, I'm always wearing a jujitsu shirt. He's like the sharper sticker on the car. Yeah. <laughs> you know, podcast, t-shirt website. Like I did it all. My marketing company is called black belt digital marketing. I'm not a black belt yet, but, um, but you know, I, I, and my life is consumed by jujitsu. My wife is just now okay with it, but, uh, she wasn't now always, okay. she's now she's okay with it. She's just like, okay. She sees friends and family. Like the guys are at the bar and somebody got caught in a strip joint and it's like, I'm at home <laughs> working or at jujitsu, you know, and, you know, I've got, we go to bed earlier on Friday nights than we do any other night of the week because we both go train in the morning. She trains, uh, kickboxing. I go to jujitsu. So I'm like, I always tell her, I'm like, you know, look, do you, I can be that guy and not be addicted mm -hmm. to jujitsu, but there's going to be something else that fills that spot. So anyway, that's how I scare her. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like a jujitsu for me was like, Oh, this is like everything that I've always wanted to do, but we weren't allowed to in high school wrestling. <laughs> yeah. You know, you couldn't, I was like, well, you could just hold them down. Like when I first started doing jujitsu, yeah. I was so like, in, and, and, and by jujitsu, my, like my first real, real introduction was uh, combatives in the military. But like, I would just immediately base out to my belly 
all the time because that's what you do in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. And then you just get choked. And then you're like, oh, wait. This is <laughs> like to stay alive. It's not about it's points. Yeah. You know, yeah, but yeah. it's like because one is a sport developed to be a certain way. And I, like it took me a while to make the transition. But then I was just like, okay, I'll keep this stuff from wrestling. But like jujitsu is so much more fun. Thank you to Feito IT and AV. Specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428-2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram, too, at MyNeutralZone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at TheBJJBox. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a Jiu-Jitsu Dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD. So we met at the same school, and we now train at different schools. He's moved, so he trains at a different school. And you said something before about, like, there's so much jujitsu. Like, he knows the jujitsu that I learned because he was at my school, the way my coach teaches. He's amazing. He's very high level. Um, he'll say, like, Oh, uh, I did the dump truck last night on somebody, and I'm like, "What the hell is the dump truck?" I don't know this name, Mike. I, I don't even. He doesn't use any names whatsoever. It's like do this move from this yeah. position. Uh, it's just not those typical names, right? So his he'll come and he'll say, "So you're like, you don't know what that is?" I'm like, "I probably know the position, but I don't know that name." Mm-hmm. Everybody's got a different name, but re- my my point was going to be that our like our jujitsu is completely different. Like he's learning things that we haven't touched on. We're like old school coach, like learn the basics, drill it 10,000 yeah. times. Not that your school doesn't do that, but, you know, he's coming in with like, oh, Ashi this and, you know, leg, leg. and I'm just like looking at him like, yeah, but we're kind of, you know, still more got, like go parents. for the basics and then like, 
You know, it's just like if you're more advanced, okay, he'll give you this little nugget over here. Like he's not teaching like leg locks or white belts, which is kind of like a thing now, especially here in Florida. But talk about that a little bit. You, you kind of were saying like there's so much jujitsu, and you also said something about bad teachers. Can we kind of like hone in on that a little bit? What What is your take on, on that? Wow, if we paraphrase yeah. what I said, I sound awful. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we got to get well, straight okay. to it. I didn't necessarily say that, like, you know, bad teachers, but I, I meant that um, I think a lot of the times we tend to assume that the person that's teaching us jujitsu uh, actually knows how to teach okay, or communicate or run a business or be a good leader, you know, or, hey, even be a good person. <laughs> so we are seeing that now because you're starting to see all sorts of terrible uh, events and articles pop up about individuals that have abused their position of power. And um, I think it should be, it needs to be said that just because you yourself are exceptional at doing something, it does not necessarily qualify you to then be a great teacher of that thing or to be a great leader of that thing. And I think up until now, our sport just has not been as evolved for us to see those differences right? Um, how many times, and I am a product of this, have you, uh, you know, laid your, your goods down at the feet of X instructor only to find out that they were banging five students in the back closet and stealing money from people and mentally and verbally abusing each other, you know, like there are a lot of bad characters in jujitsu. And if you think about it, I'm not saying this of all, uh, jujitsu instructors by any means, but if you think about it, the life of a stellar athlete is one that is center focused. You must put all the energy into yourself. You should be selfish. You should spend time figuring out what's good for you, not what's good for everyone else so that you are able to optimally perform. But if you never actually get out of your subjective self and learn to objectify what it is that you know and how you see yourself, and then you're now put in charge of raising and guiding and teaching, 100 or 200 people, but you've never actually spent that much time thinking about other people and how other people need to receive and learn. You've never really thought about how you need to communicate to be on the same level as other people. Um, it's a breeding ground for a lot of bad things to happen, you know? So when I say that sort of there's bad teachers, I just, I, I just think that our sport has not evolved very well to a place where we are beginning to deconstruct these things and see that they are all separate. It's not that common. It's quite rare, I think, to find a teacher who is also a good athlete and also a good business owner. Like these are all, I call yeah. them different and hats. Can I throw in role model, right? Yes. Just because this black belt is a world champion or whatever, it's winning IBJJ, it doesn't make them a good role model. And I think that's a big part of some of those problems that you're, that you mentioned before. Um, by the way, we're in South Florida. My school used to be called Fight Sports, so we know. Oh yeah, you know we know, you know that we know that we know what happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, again, we've you know he he moved and he popped around to a couple of schools before he found a I'm, home. I'm at a Henzo my, gym now. Yeah. Okay. He's, and then uh, my school just changed their name and backed away. Yeah. And and listen, we still have fight sports guys come in. It's not like everybody was banished or anything like that. Sure. It was just like a separation was there's necessary. Some, there's some good people for, in bad places. Especially my school in yeah. South is probably I would say you know very high on the list of 
um, you know, uh, as far as kids programs are concerned, is that we have a very big kids program. Yeah. And to be associated with that and parents are starting to ask questions, you know, the, 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 the gym moved away. I don't own the gym, so that wasn't my decision, oh. but um, I, I, I chose to leave. Um, and then they changed their name and, and I, you know, you know, when I talked to the coaches, we're going to, we're going to be stepping away. Don't go anywhere. We'll, we'll be yeah. okay. So anyway, so what we, what we know of this kind of intimately, again, we're here in South Florida. We film in Miami. Um, it's unfortunate. We're not throwing stones at fight sports, but you know, again, it, it did happen. Yeah. Uh, so we know this. And again, my kids train, um, <laughs> that was yeah, my, I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't yeah, want to tell well, you a part of I the mean, story if you didn't want to bring it up again. So I just, but I, I think that like for a long time, we've allowed certain individuals to hold the narrative for too long just yeah. by being passive. Right. And like, I understand that when we're in a position where we need something from someone and in this case for a long time, Americans needed jujitsu from people that knew it longer and better than them. Okay, great. Yeah. And there are a lot of Brazilian athletes and a lot of American athletes that know wonderful jujitsu that are wonderful people but yeah. there are, are some that are not and we have i think in some ways uh learned to just kind of look the other way and accept bad behavior and i and i think we've now come to a place in the sport where we don't need to do those things and we can be we, we can choose to act differently we can provide better examples and so when i think about what it is to teach and guide um I do hope that the message gets out there to more people that, you know, look, your teacher might be an incredible technical instructor, but don't go and ask them for mortgage advice or don't think that they're going to know how to, you know, and like this yeah. happens all the time. You just, and I've done it. I've been so guilty of putting my instructor on a pedestal thinking that they were going to teach me the wise wisdom of the universe. And then I'm disappointed when I find out that he hired a prostitute to suck his dick. You know, so yeah. I'm just like, okay, uh, well, you know, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, anyways. I, I think uh, Miguel and I were both, uh, I guess in this case, lucky enough that we started when we were older. Yeah, I was going to say that. I started at 41. 35. started at 35. But we were grown yeah. men, kids, families. Um, I had adult, you know, adult children at the time, you know. Um, They're still adults. And, well, I'm saying, you know, at that I know, time, I'm just, I'm just you, know, messing with you. I, you know, my daughter's an adult in college or even at that point living with a boyfriend, you know. Yeah. Um, and I should say, and I, and I probably haven't shared this a lot. I know that I've said it privately. I think I might have mentioned it on the on the episode uh, on an episode around the time that it was happening is, what, you know, we we actually like put out a little video that, you know, we were going to leave fights where we were. And, you know, it was, you know, no hard feelings. We don't, you know, you want to stay, you're staying. We're not like pitching people to leave. We were going to leave and we felt like we kind of had to because we were always talking about how we were part of that, that school in the system. Yeah. I had just found out that a family member was sexually assaulted as a child and she had just came out with, with that information. And I was sitting here going, how do I look her in the face? Knowing what I know and I'm going to say that I'm going to this school when exactly what happened to some of these girls happened to her. Yeah. How do you look anybody? In I was you know, very, it's, it's hard to talk about. I talked to my wife about it and she was just like, you know, you do, you have to do what's the best for you. But you know, mm -hmm. uh, again, I was, how do I tell this, this person? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, that happened at my, school. Uh, you still go there. You still give your money to that system. Yeah. And, uh, and that it was an easy decision. It didn't take long. Mm -hmm. Again, Miguel has small children. Didn't take him long, but, um, but yeah. So, uh, you know, again, I haven't spoken about that a lot, but 
for anybody that ever thinks like we're throwing shade, like, listen, you know, we all have our story and, you know, it's a decision, very personal decision to leave jujitsu that, you know, I was there, what, six, hey, seven listen, years? Hey, listen, if you want to, if ah, you want to. That's like a home. You're, that's your yeah, home. And sure, I'm like, yeah. that is my home away from home. That is my. I'm sure some people are still struggling with it that are like higher belts or have I, I like mean, allegiance schools to have, it. schools have quietly left. And, and what about the group of friends that you left. have there and like half no. your friends don't want to go and then half your friends yeah, do. I, I, and then, you know, like, going back to the age thing the, though. It's not their fault. We're, 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 I was definitely typically one of the oldest people on the mats at any given time at my school, probably still one of the two, uh, you know, 49, 50 year olds on the mat, like Ray. Yeah. Um, you a lot of these up, guys man. are like, you know, in their twenties and their kids and the, the parents are not on social media seeing the stuff that we were seeing and they, they didn't all know. And, um, and you're also you know, adult enough not to ruin the business of the place that you go to yeah, by starting you know, to talk shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so, so, you know, we're talking about, you know, you know, bad, if we want to say bad teachers, you know, I, my coach is incredible husband, wife team. We have a huge female presence. We have, a uh, huge kids program. All the green flags. Yeah, like, yeah, all the, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> all the green you know, flags. All the green flags, all the signs of, of a really yeah. good school. Uh, you know, female coaches, more, you know, it was usually more female coaches than than males at our school at any given time. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, you know, we kind of seen that from the inside out of, again, just because you're high level and you're winning, it doesn't make, how many, you know, schools, most schools don't last. I mean, now that jujitsu is more popular, you know, how many schools do you know that have closed over your, you know, your, your stint in jujitsu, your tenure in jujitsu? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, again, as adults, we kind of realize that, you know, you know, the champion does not equate good person, good businessman, you know, good of any of these things. But on the other side, you know, there are people that are amazing at those things yeah. and are able yes. to be world champions. So. Well, and I, and I, I also think it's great. And I, I think it's worth noting that you guys are both men who made not a decision, deci decisions based on the fact that you realize that these things affect people that you care about. Because I see a lot of the times it's like, oh, you know, the bro squad will be like, well, it's not, you know, didn't do it to my girlfriend or, it, you know, it happened to the random girl that we don't really like, or we don't really know what to do with. So that's cool. It's not cool. That's like, cool. <laughs> you, yeah. know? That's cool. You, came, you came out of a woman's legs uh, and her body. Like, you are related to this somehow. But a lot of people just kind of want to pass the Happy birthday, mom. Responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, you know, I, I think that we've, we've, come, we've come further. We still yeah. have a long way to go. Yeah. Um, so, I so, think it's, I think she, it's You have a huge sample size. Like, you're an OG. To me, I consider you like an OG jujitsu black belt. Well, because uh, you started, yeah, we're going to get you into started where, 90, yeah. yeah, you yeah. started 99. Like that's at Henzo's in America. I'm a grandma. I'm a grandma. Yeah, you're not a grandma, but so, like, uh, no, I mean, like you consider yourself a grandma. I think I look at you at the same light as any other person who's had that 1990s jujitsu <laughs> journey in America. I don't, there's no, cause you're a lady. I don't give a what, shit. Was it like, I uh, think, well, I think if anything, more of a stripe of honor because being a woman back then, going to those type of gyms, do the atrocities. Did women did been. did women that trained in jujitsu talk about those things that were happening at that time? Like, were you guys seeing that, or was it just kept all hush, three hush, of you? Or? No, um, <laughs> I'll tell women? you. I'll tell you what happened. If you weren't, if if you were one of the few women training, I mean, you probably you know, if there was one other woman in the school, there was a very high probability that other woman was the one sucking dick. Oh, uh, or 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 protecting their base women were really hostile towards each other in a lot of situations you know like i remember 
when I showed up at Henzo's as a white belt, there were two women there that I really looked up to. One was a blue belt. The other one was a purple belt. And I so badly just wanted to train and learn from them. But they wanted nothing to do with me. When you said they were protecting their base, what do you mean? The base of men that were there? Like they had crews. Their territory? They, they had their crews of oh, dudes. Yeah. And, okay. I, and I, see this, I see this happen a lot within power dynamics amongst women. It's a scarcity mindset of there's only room for one chicken here and it's going to be me. Oh, wow. And if you try to come take my space, I'll fucking cut a bitch. Wow, and chicks are with women, <laughs> women eat women. Uh, women eat women. Yeah, women are fierce, you, man. That was because, back then. Do you think that, that it's still like that no, now? It's still like that, bro. I'm out This is not just jujitsu. Yeah. This is not just jujitsu. This is okay. any power dynamic where females are involved. I'm not saying that all females are this way, but it is a very commonplace situation to have a high powered female that looks at the females coming up under them. Threats. And instead of fostering growth and saying, let me find ways to pull you up. Let me find ways to create more positions for you. They see their position of power as the only female position of power. And they're like, if there's 10 guys on the board and I'm the only female, there's no room for more of you. So Damn. I'm going to cut all of you down so you don't get anywhere close to me. That is, it's so funny that you said that because my wife is always <laughs> complaining about somebody at her job. And you just made me realize, I think what it is. And it's that. It's exactly I, I this. I think that's that. And she used it's to be scarcity. in charge and the, and the hierarchy changed, the company restructured. And she's not in that same position officially. So she doesn't have power, but she walks around trying to wield that power. And I think that it's a little bit more, I, I, it, it, that makes the most sense of anything that I've heard that she You've thinks You've tried to even is. come up with. You're such a, yeah, you have such yeah. a nice brain. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's sad because I think as women, you know, it's funny. We're, I feel like as women, sometimes we're always fighting each other, right? Because as much as we're like, women's equality and let's get more women to participate and let's make more women's jobs and you know whatever the thing may be within that movement there are still women who have a very scarce mindset about well if i climb this high i can't possibly make more room for others because it i had to work this hard to get what i have so this is all i have and i'm not going to give it up right and so i think as women we need to be kinder to each other and we need to see abundance we need to see that if you get to a position of power you create more space for others like you right so like for a long time guys didn't know what to do with me i was very fortunate that i had a lot of great men foster my development but there were a lot of occasions where they didn't know what to do with me i was the one with the vagina and the boobs and they're like what do how, we train with you what are we gonna do right i can't touch you this way what if you're too sensitive and i'm like in many ways, it was a compliment to be treated like a dude, right? I would get to go in the back room and see all the dudes smoke weed or go hang out. You know, like that was the cool thing because it meant like they could let their guard down around you. But I saw a lot of foul ass shit growing up and in jujitsu. And rather than blow the horn on everybody, I just thought to myself, you know what? I'm being given a little bit of an inside view into what it's what it is to sort of be part of that crew and I will find a way to slowly climb up and there will be a time where I will have enough of a platform to actually make a difference. But that time is not now. And now I'm at a place where I'm a third degree black belt. I should be applying for my my fourth very soon. I went through some shit where I almost didn't make it. But now that I'm here, I'm like, OK, let's create more opportunities for people that are otherwise minorities, whether you're a smaller person or, you know, wh whatever kind of minority you are. Now's the time to show a different way of doing things. 
It doesn't mean that the way that we've been doing things is wrong or bad. Sometimes it is, but let's just do it differently. Why can't we have more diversity at the top? And, and, and that's, I think, something that we need to do more of. You know, it's funny. Miguel's always telling me, like, uh, I'm too so worried about what people think. And uh, it, the other day, um, I, I don't want to say the name I'm, of people. I'm there's really a, there's a parent reading. that's always, that has a son and daughter in class. They're teenagers. And um, I've never rolled with her daughter. Um, mm-hmm. she's, she's tall and she's a, a big girl and she can handle herself. And um, I, ex- I was rolling. It was an open mat. And I know the mom. I, I we're we're friends, friendly. And I asked her. I go, do you, can I? Is it okay if I I roll with your daughter? And she's like, go, yeah, go ahead. But I'm so conscious of the male female dynamic, on top of the fact that I'm an old man about to ask a 16 year old girl to roll. That I not didn't ask the coach. I asked her mom because I know the mom is going to be the one that's like knows. She's like the guys in the class skeeve her out, or no, like she knows that oh, maybe dude, that's yeah. not the best. She, she probably has like the best cage. Yeah, she's there every yeah, day. Yeah, but again, I you know, and I know her, but I've never rolled with her daughter. And I said, "Hey, do you mind if is it okay?" Like quietly said to her, she goes, "Go ahead, go," you know. And but that's that's how conscious I am, because again, going back to. I'm worried about what people think. I don't want to mm-hmm. just be the creepy old guy that just exes you. Mm-hmm. Why are you brown belt rolling with this girl that's under 16? That's whatever stripe belt she that she has. She keeps getting younger every time yeah. you talk about well, it. Well, she's what, what, how old <laughs> yeah. is she? I don't know, but no. you just started high. What did I start at? I think you started at 16. Now well, you said younger than 16. Well, she, well, she's under 16. I was going to say because she's not a blue belt. I know. I was just she's got a lower around, belt, but so. I know what you're saying. See, but was she was she um, was she willingly in the same class that you were in? Yeah, we do we do like uh, uh, open mats uh, Saturday yeah. and Sunday. I think it was probably Sunday. We do open mats both days at our school very early in the morning, and um, we've also done like a, our school is great at getting the kids through the door and then getting the parents on the mat. So it's like we kind of call it family jujitsu. So it's just a mix of, of kids and adults. Most of the times the kids are on one side and the adults are on the other. But again, she's she's bigger she's, than all of the kids. She's she bigger takes than adults. Some class. of the you know, so, the, you know. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a different perspective on the same matter. Okay. Or like a similar I, I think it's kind of a similar situation. Uh, but the reason why I asked is like, you know, was she part like did she wanna be in the class or, you know, It'd be different if she was part of the kids class and you walked over before the adult adult class and say, you know, you want to roll with me, but she's in the same class as everybody else. She's in the general population. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. To me that. So to me, that indicates some sort of willingness or choice to to mix in. Yeah. And years ago, uh, I had competed in a in a tournament and I fought the three women that were in the tournament and I won. And then the promoter came up to me and said, hey, hey, I. uh, because I think it'd be really cool if you joined in the absolute bracket. And I said, oh, is there one for the women? He said, no. He's like, it's it's an absolute bracket for the guys, but I think you'd do really well. So like, do you want to join in? And I was like, you know, I don't really want to make this a spectacle. It might be a little weird. And he's like, no, I think there's a lot of people that would, they respect your ability, like you should come. So I was like, all right. So I, I joined the absolute bracket. And when they drew the first two names, it was myself and another individual. Uh, he was a guy that was probably similar level. I, we were both blue belts and he was about the same size as me. But when we went up to do the fight, he backed out of the fight and he says, no, 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 I can't, I can't fight you because my mom taught me to protect women, not fight them. And you got to understand it's kind of awkward for me. And I was like, all right, well, I'm just letting you know that I'm choosing to be here. I don't need to be protected. 
and I'm happy to fight, you know? And he walked away from the fight. Somebody else stepped up. We fought. I lost with 30 seconds on the, on the clock. It was a good match. And after the fight, the guy came back up to me and he was like, Hey, I'm, I just want to say like, good match. Uh, just, it was a little awkward for me because I hope, you know, as a dude, it's kind of like a lose, lose situation. If I win, it's against a girl. If I lose, it's against a girl. I'll come to your school anytime and train with you. But I was like, nah, man, I'm cool. And so the reason why I wanted to say that story is like, as much as you might be afraid of what people think of you, and I think it's it's very um, chivalrous for you to go and speak to her, to her mother and say, is it okay if I train with her? I think when you are sort of in the position of being different or the minority, or in this case, like the female, when you show up, there's a part of you that wants nothing but to be included and be treated like everybody else, you know? And um, I think what I witness as a business owner is when there's another woman on the mats and a woman comes through the door and she goes, oh, I want to train. It is, it's, it's, a, I think a bit of a sense of relief for her to see that there's other females populated on the mats. But at my school, we train co-ed, you know, I don't have a women's only class. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting when you are very aware of the, the position you have, minority or majority, and then how you choose to approach that line. But I would say, like, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm sure that she was probably thrilled that you asked her to train because from her eyes, she's like, I want, maybe she wants to be taken seriously as a chick. Okay. And she's thinking to herself, you know, I'm bigger than all the kids and I don't really quite fit into the adult class. I'm not quite a child anymore. But wow, if this like brown belt dude asked me to train, like, cool, like maybe he sees something in me, you know, or maybe I have something to offer. And it, it actually was that it's like she's getting she's tough enough that I could roll with her that I knew she was going to give me a challenge. And I knew it wasn't going to be a situation where like, OK, old guy just holding her down. Like I knew it was going to be challenging and we were going to be able to to have a good role. And, and I knew that by just seeing her kind of grow up in our in the system I'm there seven years I've seen her she was there before me you know she's mm -hmm. been there throughout mm -hmm. the, so and I've seen her from the kids class to the adult so so next time I'm just gonna smash her yeah <laughs> that's it she said yeah. heard that there you go <laughs> so I actually want to go let, let's so tell us about the okay you're at Henzo's you know tell us a little bit about that time and then do you wind up at at Marcello's or you do you want can you can you kind of give us a little uh rundown there yeah so uh I think it's interesting that you know lineage is like a whole other episode but like oh yeah <laughs> uh you know like there's so much to say about lineage um but i moved a lot between uh i guess in the decade of 19 through 30 i moved between vancouver and new york vancouver new york vancouver tokyo back to new back to vancouver to new jersey and so I couldn't have stayed in one school and gotten my black belt from one instructor if I wanted to. And I never moved for jujitsu. I moved for life. You know, I, I moved to have these different experiences. And um, I got my blue belt under Henzo, but I didn't train with Henzo the full time. I was back and forth between Vancouver and New York. So I was trained by uh, a guy named John Kefalnitis, of course, my, my best friend, Roy, um, and also uh, he became a pride fighter, but his name was Dennis Kang and he was a brown belt out of Vancouver. So the, the, those were my first three instructors until I had moved to New York. And of course, because Henzo was this legendary black belt, it was a huge honor to receive my blue belt from him. 
but I received it about two and a half years in because I was flying back and forth. So he, you know, I think instructors get confused when you're not there the full time. Am I promoting you? You know, are they promoting you? Um, After three years of going back and forth between Vancouver and New York, I had graduated. I was no longer eligible for a student work visa, so I couldn't come back to the U.S. And I moved to Tokyo for a year. And uh, when I was in Tokyo, I trained under, at the time, he was a brown belt uh, under Yuki Nakai, and his name was Takashi Ochi. So I trained with him for the year, and um, he gave me my purple belt. I rejected my purple belt once, uh, embarrassingly, (laughs) because I was like, I don't deserve this. If I go back to North America, they're just going to slaughter me. But uh, it got to the point where I'd fought in a bunch of tournaments there. And in Japan, now... By North American standards, I'm not that huge. I'm a middleweight. I weigh about 150 to 155 pounds, and I'm about 5'4". But in Japan, I'm a big honking lady. Like, I'm huge. (laughs) And so people wouldn't enter tournaments if I showed up because they were like, oh, no, this is Emily from America. She kills everybody. And so uh, I started fighting MMA because (laughs) I had nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) And so... um, I think it was two or three tournaments I'd won as a blue belt. And then Mr. Uh, and then Ochi Sun wanted to promote me to purple belt, but I gave him the belt back and I said, I'm not ready for it. Um, and then he, I won another tournament and then he gave it to me then. All right, guys, once again, uh, we told you earlier, we're going to, we're going to save the shout out for BJJ box because we have an unboxing have sent a us a new box. box. Uh, I'll hold off on showing the t-shirt. Yeah. Uh, the BJJ box uh, is Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box. It's delivered to you, uh, to your door, filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. They find the best products in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes what you're about to see, about, you know, four to seven items. It's different yeah. every time, different every month. Um, use coupon code JJD10 for $10 off your first box. So let's check it out. What do you got? So the first one is uh, Rain Total Body Fuels. It's got BCAAs, BCAAs. Right. Very cool. Aminos. You got that bow? Uh, ooh, monkey tape. You know what I'm saying? For them carpal tunnels. What do we got in here? Monkey tape's good. Neo- what, what Neapolitan. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> it's, like the, it's the ice cream. That was a smart idea. Yeah, I like cool. it. I, I told you that you can have this. Stuff. I like now, that. Uh, you I'm can almost, make a candle after that. I'm like, which one do I want? Oh, and it's like the three They're different three sizes. sizes. Yeah. Very cool. Smart. I like that. Different monkeys got different which, hands. Which flavor do you normally eat I'm, I'm, out of the Neapolitan? I'm the most vanilla dude you've yeah. ever met in your whole entire life. <laughs> Low-key just add some stripes to my belt, too. Very you know? cool. Thank you to Monkey Tape. Yep, yep, yep. Then uh, some defense shower gel. Very cool. Yep, there you go. Get the yuckies off. That's right. And we have, boy, I don't know how to pronounce that, L-J-O-M-I. Jomi? Let me see. Flexi balm. Well, it's for like cracked skin and uh, abrasions and does it say abrasion or scratches? Laomi? Laomi? There's Laomi. how you pronounce that J. Well, I think maybe that J is silent. Or jo- or maybe mm. the L is silent and it's Jomi. Yeah. It could be French. Okay. All the letters. Flexi are balm natural naturally smooths and restores irritated, itchy, or dry skin. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Test a small but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Coconut oil. White beeswax. Smells tree, good. We smelt oil, it. We smelt it. Eucalyptus. We yeah, here. you can smell it, right? Yeah. When we anything in a BJJ box, we break the first rule of science <laughs> class, which is 
don't smell it, we smell it. <laughs> and then, then what we do we both got here? Got a, uh, we BJJ got a, I can't wear yeah. this. BJJ <laughs> Savage. Why not? Well, I'm not a savage. You're not a savage. You just you you brag about how you beat up the guys on, on in the trial. Yeah, that makes me like the on worst their, person on one week trial. Yeah, that's right there. That Bo, makes me a cool. horrible person, not a savage. What do you think, Bo? You like that? Yeah. It's got the the Punisher skull on it. Very cool. Looks good. I'm going. I had I had the box before the UFC fight. Yeah. I was going to wear it that night, and then I said, "Oh, I'm, I'm going to wear it on the show the first time." Very cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you to Tony at the BJJ box, man. I love it. Let's get back to the show. Let's do it. I came back to North America. Um, I stayed in Vancouver for a brief period of time, and then I was back in uh, back on the East Coast. At which point, I kind of trained a little bit with uh, Henzo, uh, and then I started training at Ricardo Almeida's. Had a fallout at Ricardo Almeida's, and then I was kind of in purgatory for a year, training with a couple black belts uh, that were under Henzo. But I was I was working with them. I wasn't necessarily under them. Uh, and then I found myself over at Marcelo's in 2009 when he had just come back from Florida. And the reason why I found myself there was uh, his wife, Tatiana, had seen me in a number of tournaments and she would always find me, you know, just as we were boarding the plane to come to California or go somewhere. She would be like, hey, I know you. She's like, I saw you compete because you should come train with me. And I don't know how many of you guys know that before there was Marcelo, there was his wife, Tatiana. And Tatiana was one of the leading ladies in Brazil uh, and a really prominent female competitor. So I'd heard all sorts of great things about her jujitsu. And coming up, I really didn't have female training partners. It was very, you know, I was as a, as a purple belt in New Jersey, there were no other purple belts really for me to train with. So to find uh, as a purple belt, brown belt, black belt, a female black belt who was highly qualified that wanted to train with me, I just jumped at the chance. So when I um, found myself at Marcelo's, it was 2009, and it was a real breath of fresh air. I went through a pretty dark period right before then, uh, leaving, you know, Ricardo's was really rough. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty sad time for me. I almost left jujitsu because of how I was treated. And um, when I went to Marcelo's, it made me feel great because I felt like it was such a recentered and refocused uh, energy towards the purity of jujitsu. It brought me back to, f- to understanding why I did it in the first place, which was that I enjoyed it. It brought me joy, you know. And um, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about instructors before, but Tachi said something that has stuck with me for ever since she said it, which is you deserve the instructor you choose, you know, and we make a lot of bad choices. We can make a lot of bad choices. And then we stand by those choices because we think we have to. Right. So when I was at Marcello's, um, I gave my competitive career another go and I had some success there before I stopped to have children. And I've been under, you know, under Marcello ever since. And uh, I don't get to train with him all the time. Now I have my own school. I have my own responsibilities. And of course, now he's moved to Hawaii. But uh, I see I see his instruction and affiliation is so much more than just teach me everything you know about jujitsu, you know? And like at the end of the day, uh, he's, I think, a really humble and honorable person. And uh, I, I want to stand on the right side of jujitsu. And I want to I want to be with with good people and I, uh, they, they've welcomed me with open arms and I've had a great relationship with, with them ever since. And create culture. Like you said before. Yeah. 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 So tell us about your school. 
What do you want to know? Um, where is it? Um, I, I was my, I was going to lead Teaching into heel hooks you mentioned white belts. yeah. <laughs> do you teach yeah? Do you teach white belt heel hooks? Uh, you mentioned that your husband was going to be teaching. Is he also mm-hmm. did you teaching jujitsu? Is he at your school teaching jujitsu? Is he involved? Yeah, so I have a school in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, I co-own it with someone named Art Kynes, who was also a black belt uh, under Ricardo. And we've had the school for about 12 years now. Wow. And uh, Art's background is actually as a former narcotics detective. And my background was in competition. So I kind of felt like it was a great blend of having the two different sides of jujitsu, really, Mm -hmm. like the real applicable street side of it and then the sport aspect of it um i also felt like when we opened the school it was 2010 and i was just in the middle of making the instructional how to defeat the bigger stronger opponent with stefan kesting which i was very embarrassed to put together not because of stefan but rather i thought that people the industry wasn't ready for a female instructor and i thought that they would all laugh at me right like i thought that it would be rejected first one and so um you know for those of us that were maybe too young to remember what was going on with the internet at that time youtube was still kind of sketch right like don't go on youtube and learn your technique <laughs> um and so i think as things have you know grown and evolved it's interesting like at the time i thought as a female I couldn't make it by myself, you know? And so I, so Art and I had known each other for a long time and I was like, yeah, I, I really like, this'll work. Cause like I need to, I, as a woman, I need to work with dudes. Otherwise I, I don't have a career in jujitsu. And so we built the school over the last uh, 12 years. Um, you know, COVID, holy shit. Thank God we survived it, but we have a really diverse mix of people. Uh, it's a transient community because we're close to Princeton University. So we have a lot of really uh, intelligent individuals that come in and out. We have families, we have young people, we have middle-aged people. Um, it's a it's a community that I'm really proud of. It's something that I wish I had growing up, you know, where everybody kind of belonged. Um, it's part of my mission to normalize women at the front of the room. And we've largely done so at my school, you know, like it does, if I bring a female instructor in for a seminar, uh, a lot of men will show up, you know, all the men don't go hiding and say, oh, I don't know if I I have anything to learn from this chick because she's 125 pounds, what's what's going to teach me? Um, So it's nice that we've sort of been able to build a really inclusive place. And uh, yeah, I I couldn't be prouder of it. And and strangely, I don't know how it happens. Sometimes I look at my upper belts and like we have a slew of like brown and black belts that are all like six foot four, 220 to 250 pound dude. And I'm like, I don't know how this happened. I know exactly how that happens. <laughs> but um, we have a very healthy, we have a healthy uh, population of females, I would say about 30%, which I think is good. So you're never going to find a class where there's no females. Sometimes you're going to have a class with 50% females. Other times there might be like, you know, 10%, but it's a, it's a really nice mix. And, uh, I'm super proud of, I'm super proud of what we've built and all the students that have come out of there. So yeah. you're, you're again, your husband is your husband instructing right now is you said he was. Yes. Teaching? So yeah. my husband and I met as purple belts. He became a black belt under, uh, Marcelo because he did not want anyone thinking that I was 
giving him his black belt. And he teaches a few classes a week at the school. He is not the co-owner. Everyone always gets it mixed up because Art's wife is Asian and my husband is Puerto Rican, but he looks Caucasian. Um, But... So he's getting, he's, he's also getting ten he's also getting ten ninety nine. Yes, he's a forty four. Um, but my husband is also a retired firefighter, and he stays at home with the kids. So uh, you know, I very kindly let him out of the house three times a week so he can go train and teach. Let him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's a clip right there. We're going to yeah. send him that yeah. clip right there. Yeah. I let him. No, he's he's really see. I, I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't have such a supportive husband. And he's he's been awesome in terms of uh, letting me grow and kind of chase after my dreams. So the only reason why I can be on this podcast and travel and get to do the things I do is because he's really so happy and proud to be part of it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome. It's also cool that in in a weird way, you've essentially opened up a gym that you wish you had when you were traveling and you were a transient person. And also, just fun fact, when you said you had a 30% show up of women in your class and then you gave the breakdown of like sometimes it's 50 and then sometimes it's 10, that's 60% and the average of that is 30%. I don't know if you did that on purpose, but that was spot on. I know well, he, I'm uh, I'm Asian. I mean, please. yeah, yeah, but th- that would make it even funnier if you didn't do it on purpose and you still got it right. <laughs> so I know that, like you know, again, sometimes at our school, again, husband wife team, we that do have a. I still consider a lot of times we, there, I don't want to say most days, it's usually fifty fifty. And a lot of times it's, you know, well, it's the 70, 30 where it's, it's, you know, 70% women in ah. our school. Yeah. But it's the culture. So, it's so like these ladies, uh, well, the female instructor is a, have you heard of Sofia Marante? Like she's of course. A, yeah. Is that where you train? Can that's I tell you? Can I tell you? I was like, there's not that many. They trained at the same time. Like that's, yeah. we fought against each other, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. And her damn little legs. I was about to say her feet. Yeah. Always give me some shit when I would try to pass her fucking guard. Nothing, nothing's changed. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what you said. What do I have to learn from this 125-pound woman? Yes. Well, what you got to learn is is that frames are important because, like... <laughs> you telling her this? No, I'm just saying, like... like No, I'm saying from the mentality that she was talking about, like a dude saying, like, what would I have to learn from this 125-pound yeah, person? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The dude shows up, and he's the big guy who wants to work on his guard yeah. retention or whatever. No, let me let me say that we hopefully Felipe, her husband Felipe, doesn't hear this, but secretly we love when she teaches class because she's so technical that there are a lot of us that like we love the details that she goes into, and just like she she likes to invert, obviously she she inverts, um, she just teaches us some of the same moves but her way when her mm-hmm. husband's not around. Like she might be running the class show, so we'll combine the the in some uh, some cases like the women have we have a wall and there's a separate room and she'll do just women only classes and then the guys are on the other side. A lot of times we're together, but when she teaches the class, it's a lot of the guys are like yes because we get this different That's take awesome. on on the same jujitsu. And she's amazing. She's a world champ. She's she, incredible. She's fun. Um, I my only gripe is that. She's so little with those legs. Like sometimes I'm like, I can't do that. She's so close <laughs> to the ground. We did a we did a pass recently, and I'm like, I have to go knee on belly on the guy t- 
to get my leg out of the, you know, he's trying to like <laughs> regain. I'm like, I, she just picks it up and like brings it through like There's the like center. And I'm like, I can't, I have to go around. I can't, I can't get, I can't sit and do like, she's so low to the ground. It's so funny. That's great. So and how about the dexterity? But it's amazing. Well. I also, the, I, I find that fun to figure out how it works better for me. I'm too. 35 at you know 240 at any given time so my you know i sometimes have to find i can't and he's a brown belt back is bad so i've got to find like the different ways that it works for me and Mm -hmm. so i love when she teaches because then i get to pick it apart and figure out like how does it work for the big guy you know so well i mean i i think you know i would always get invited out to michigan for some reason michigan likes me (laughs) and uh this guy uh dan uh out in lapeer Dan was a former like strongman, right? And so he's ah uh, almost like a solid 250, maybe 275, like solid beast of a human. And his school was full of other dudes like him, blue collar dudes. And when he would invite me out for a seminar, I'd show up and I'd be like, holy shit, like what do these people want to learn from me? And we would go out for dinner and he'd say, well, Emily, he's like, as a large person, larger person. And he goes, and I have a bum knee because of all the weightlifting. He's like, why don't men, why don't people want to learn from women like you or people like you? Because if it works for you, how could it not work for the rest of us? Right. Because if, if you're the one that has to fight it, uh, if if you're the one that has to use this technique, fighting off people that are much bigger and stronger, how Mm -hmm. could it not help the rest of us? And, um, Something that I actually tell a lot of my students is I don't care what your size or uh, gift is, don't rest on your assets, right? So like if you're big and strong, the worst thing you can do for your jujitsu is to just use big and strong because we already know that about you. So if you want to get better, why not develop things that are harder for you? And you always know you have big and strong in your back pocket, but don't let that be your A game, right? Or if you're small and quick, don't let that be your A game either, you know? So it, I, I think when we approach our training in different ways and we can value the other, like there's just so much, it, our training becomes so much deeper and so much richer, right? But a lot of, a lot of people just want to hammer down what they're good at and they just want to reinforce, well, I'm really good at holding people down. So I'll just keep holding people down. I'm like, that's okay for now, but at a higher level, that shit don't work. <laughs> yeah. That, that, again, as a, as a bigger player, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I, I pull guard all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I pull guard most of the time. And sometimes some people tell me, well, I, you know, you're so big. I don't understand why you're not just like double, trying to double leg somebody. And I'm like, because that's no fun for me. That I'm Number one, it kind of comes across as the person small, that I'm the bully. And then what am I going to do? Like, you know, get to side control, be on top of them. They're not going to be able to get out from underneath me unless they've got really great guard retention. And that's not because I'm amazing. I'm just a lot bigger than the average person in my class. So I pull guard. I'm giving, I feel like I'm giving them the advantage. Attack me. I let me work off of my back, which I enjoy doing. And I'm not the bully. Now go ahead. I'm giving you every opportunity to, to advance on me and do what you're worried about me doing to you. So I don't know. I, Guard puller. Guard pullers unite. Yeah. <laughs> it's but, uh, uh, I mean, and I, how if, about the new batch of, I, th- I also feel like, um, you know, obviously I haven't done it as long as you guys. I think I'm coming up. I'm over three years now. But the, the quality, oh, thank you. The quality, I think the quality of new guy, even since I've started, has gone up. Just like fresh fresh out of the whatever. I don't know what's going on. I had a couple of white belts at the fight the other night. 
Yeah. I, I, I hosted the UFC at my house, and a couple of the white belts, they were like, I'm like, you know, you guys are getting really good. And then they let it out that they've been doing privates with one of the coaches. And I'm like, yeah. aha, I found your secret. I was like, there it's was there's something different. They just love it. Well, there was something, there was something different had, about their you know? jujitsu, but it goes hand in hand with what you just said. I think that it's different now. People are, they know they can seek out the information, whether it's on the internet, which isn't so taboo anymore at all. And and again, they don't like. Let me do privates. I want to get better. I want to learn this thing. I think. I, I think honestly, it's a it's as simple as if you've ever done jujitsu and have loved jujitsu, the first thing you do is like, how do I get better at this quicker? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you you you're like you start eating better, you start stretching, you start gathering information, and then you're just like, oh, and then you start being uh, you stop lying to yourself, and then you recognize like, oh, these are the gaping holes in my game. Yeah. And then, and then, like, now it's just more... Ex- Dude, we have blue belts in my gym that, I mean, I've seen with my own eyes crush yeah. higher belts and, like, not like we're playing matches, like, for real matches, but, like, you, there's blue belts that teach privates, and you'll get a decent class out of them now. By the way, shout out to Marcelo Garcia. The only instructional that I've ever purchased was his oh North-South instructional. Everything else is just online or... I do have like the grapplers guide. Yeah. Um, only instructional I ever, ever purchased. When I was a white belt, I did my first tournament and I wound up like laying on this guy's face and he tapped because my belly was on his face and he was like, you know, freaked that's, out. you know, that's the rage and, now, by the way, and, smother tap is the, that's what Gordon's <laughs> teaching now. And as every, everybody called it North South and I had like, Oh, nobody's taught me this thing. We just wound up in this position and I was holding him down and I went and I, you know, went on YouTube and looked for North South and there's this little tiny guy showing all the dynamic. I'm like, Oh, I wasn't on his neck. I'm just like laying on his face. And I've just studied that video on YouTube for so long. There's one really good video. Like I think it's a 10 minute video of him going over it just in his class. And then finally, like years later, I'm like, I, I need more. I need more like the little technical things. And I purchased that. That uh, that instructional only one that I've ever purchased, and I love. That's absolutely my go-to move. So much that my 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 instructor goes, really, Mel. Like he'll be walking by, he'll be like, "Oh, really?" Uh, like, That's his move. Original Mel, you know, like he really he really gets on me about it. Knuckles, but yeah. I but I, I I love I I I do love that move. But uh, hey, let let's get into some of the listener questions. You want to pull up one of the listener questions? That yeah, we I have? got it memorized. You got actually. it memorized. Yep, I'm that so, good. Do you know who you you know the person? Who I asked? don't know the guy. Well, you have to say the it's, guy's name. She knows the guy. Oh, okay, all right, let's I, do it. Because I don't I don't even know how to say the question because it's <laughs> it's your last name. What's the meaning of your last name apostrophe D? <laughs> Quacked. Oh, okay. I know that somebody asks, "What is the meaning of quacked. of the of quacked?" Okay. So, so this is Shane's doing. Shout out to Shane McCarthy. My plan worked out. Okay. <laughs> Doubter. So, so Shane is our black belt, and uh, Shane's a gem. He's been with us for a while, and he does he does a lot uh, around the school, and he's also just incredibly passionate about learning. Uh, and Shane likes to think he's a funny guy. Uh-huh. And so uh, you laughed just saying, I don't know what happened one day, but I think somebody was walking off the mats and they looked a little sad, a little dejected. And he's walking by them. And he goes, oh, what happened? Did you get quacked? <laughs> and, you know, one of two things happens when you get quacked. I've either verbally or physically assaulted you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So, Explain, please. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, you know, sometimes Emily goes into greater detail when we're talking about things and maybe I talk around you and above you and below you and then you feel really bad about what you said or what you've done and <laughs> we make a little joke about it. Or, you know, for some people they uh they don't like get stuck get, they don't like getting stuck under my mount or uh I have um I have one of my other uh students in the school Colin who I don't know if you're familiar with uh Pokémon, but he, very much so. He has given me a, a nickname of I am Diglett. <laughs> Diglett. I don't yeah, know. well, Diglett is actually a Pokemon that looks like three Pokemon. They're like these little brown things that stick out of the ground. Okay. They're like, they're like dirt mounds. They're like dirt mounds yeah. that come up out of the ground. Yeah. Now, but why? that's one Pokemon, which makes you think how weird it must look below ground. But just go ahead. So why am I Diglett? Well, because when we play... He likes to try and get under the legs a lot, and I don't let him. I, I sit very low to the ground when I pass, and I have a decent amount of base. So uh, sometimes, you know, I frustrate people with these things, and so then they're like, did you get clocked? So now it's become a thing. I even made a shirt about it to make oh, really? fun of myself. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's good fun. It's good so fun. how does it feel to be a, a, be a verb? Yeah, you're <laughs> in your own gym. I've always wanted that. I I'm probably a lot of things, but yeah, you know, it feels, it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. As long as, as long as people are laughing with me, I'm good. Next what? next time you come to the gym, just yeah. if you see me tap somebody, be like, did you get Uncle Miltied? I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> let me, I wanna, let I, me go I back need, to my I think tank. in my life. Let me go back to my think tank. I think I could work on that name a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have another, we have another question and then we're going to get into what we call our drill down. But I have a question from Erin Del Baggio. Ooh. Do you know her by any chance? No? I think I do. Okay. I'm a brown belt who's trained consistently and hard for 10 years, and I am now five months pregnant. I'm finding mm. it hard to stay relevant while adjusting to a reduced level of intensity while training. Any suggestions for continuing to progress and learn while training with re reduced mobility and intensity? Oh, Yes. We've done this three times. Oh I've become big and fat three times and had to lose all the weight and watch everybody get better while I sucked gas. And um, gosh, so every pregnancy is different. And I will say I am not a doctor, so by no means take this as medical advice. <laughs> However, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, I think it's really difficult for us as women who have put a lot of time into jujitsu to become pregnant and to slowly lose our ability uh, to do things. And I'll also add to have other people tell us that we shouldn't do those things, right? Like all of a sudden, it's not your body anymore in multiple ways. Um, you have to host this little being that's inside of you and make it safe for them. But uh, pregnancy makes people feel all sorts of things. And I trained through all three of my pregnancies as much as I could. Each subsequent pre pregnancy affected me more and more. So I was not able to train as long uh, with each one. But I did my best. And I always liked to think that healthy mom equals healthy baby. So it wasn't just a matter of physical wellness for me. It was really about mental wellness. It was my outlet. And so the more I wasn't able to move, the more it affected me. So to Aaron and to any other struggling moms out there, soon to be moms out there, um, there is going to come a point where training with a belly is not going to be easy and it might not be safe. I, I don't want to speak for everybody because we all carry differently, but 
at some point you're going to be carrying an extra 20 or 30 pounds on your front side, which greatly affects your base. And so, uh, what I did with my first child, I did not do with my last child. With my first child, Saya, I was deadlifting 218 pounds and squatting 185 until two weeks before I gave birth. I was also still training and teaching and, you know, moving around. Um, but my hips weren't the same with my other pregnancies. And so what I, what I always did with each one was as I started approaching the second trimester, I would, and Aaron, you're sort of in the middle of it right now. I would start to find other types of activities that would keep my mobility or my fitness level up. So I always have worked out or done something complementary to jujitsu. Sometimes it meant that I would sort of transfer the, the balance of my, my time into doing those things. And then when I would come to jujitsu, it would be more like studying technique, maybe drilling some things or um, studying some technique and maybe teaching some things because I found that by the time I was about five, six months pregnant, it made other people uncomfortable for me to train with them. So my husband would train with me and I had a few select women, but I remember uh, distinctly training with one guy who, you know, we were moving lightly. He wasn't powering through anything, but I started feeling bad because my baby belly was making them super self-conscious. Right. So it's, um, it's a, it's a really tricky time being pregnant. Um, so Aaron, I would say find some other mobility activities that have something to do with jujitsu that might help you get your jollies out in terms of movement, maybe identify, um, some safe training partners, people that you feel good about, people that feel good about training with you and who know, have some self-control so that they know how to move with you. Um, and you may come to a point where you just want to drill and move around because it feels safer. But I, I would say start thinking about those things now so that you don't allow your uh, pregnancy to dictate what you can and can't do when you when you all of a sudden can't do it anymore, right? Like that's a depressing time when all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. Now what? start thinking about it now and get yourself into the routine of doing those things. Um, that is another podcast project that I'm half complete. I've half completed. I'm doing a five episode series on moms in jujitsu. So women who have either been pregnant, are pregnant, are moms, but also competing or carrying on careers with children, because there is not a lot of information out there and, uh, for, for active women doing this sort of thing. And I get asked all the time by expecting parents like, hey, how do I handle this? So uh, I've already interviewed uh, Karen Antunes and Anna Carolina Schmidt um, and Rachel Morrison. uh, And I have a couple other guests that I'm going to be working with. But I want to provide that resource just to give people other examples of how you can do pregnancy in jujitsu. Yeah, that's that's uh, two things. First of all. Uh, I really like what you just said. It's really refreshing just because I like to think as humans as a very, very old species and 30,000 years ago, pregnant women were doing way tougher things and we're here now. Uh, I also grew up in a house, mom, two sisters and, you know, single mom, you know, three kids. It's like, yo, women are tough. She had to fight for her life. Yeah. Fight for your life. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, so I really like that approach. And also just, just when it doesn't feel safe, we do have the luxury of, you know, jujitsu is a luxury. So like you don't have to go out there and oh, hurt yourself. Oh, a thousand percent. Um, but I think it is a little bit of, I don't know if it's right to say, it's a little bit of a sickness that like our privilege in some ways has 
made us too comfortable or too okay with like not pursuing the things that make us feel alive. That's right? everyone. Like, that's everybody. Right? Like, yeah, you that's... don't, you don't need to do that. Well, I want, how about I want to do that? And yeah, how about exactly. don't tell me what I can do? When you said that when you were competing <laughs> as a blue belt in the absolute, it's like, I want to be here. If you would have said that to me and it was a comp and I'd have been like, all right, you get the smoke, you know, cause this isn't yeah. the training room. <laughs> that's how it goes down. And then my second uh, thing that I want to say was if a pregnant lady passes your guard, is it six points? Like, how does it? Because that's two. That's awesome. <laughs> and if you win, Only like, you, you do win twice. I told you, I, you. I, I love his sense of humor. I love having him here. You have so. him there for a reason. I yeah. see. I see. Not only is he a great person, and he's got great jujitsu. I also just like doing he's this. This is funny. fun. I get to talk. I get different perspectives. I'm... <laughs> I'm like some guy who did just started doing jujitsu three years ago. You guys are talking about like you're over a decade. You're, and how, you're how many people have you seen come and go though in that time? A quite lot. a quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. They Those keep signing that... that waiver though. Them white belts. <laughs> <laughs> He's got this thing about smashing white belts, but that's that in, uh, it's in a and joke. of itself. I'm is a really own. it's a joke because I'm such a I'm pretty nice Wait, guy. He, he did say something really funny earlier. I got I got to share this. So he said. Uh, he says, I'm feeling really good about my jujitsu lately. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, maybe that's because there's a lot of white belts we on there. We have a lot week. of white belts. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, man, I feel like my jujitsu is getting kind of decent, man. And then, and then like three seconds later, I'm thinking, as to like, I haven't even put any thought to it. I just like kind of been in, you know, you go through grooves. I've been in long enough to been through the like, oh, I suck. Oh, I suck really bad. And, you know, just different levels. There's and nothing like a trial guy to to, make, to boost your boy, ego. You know what? Underrated guilty pleasure. He's actually said before, this is an ongoing joke because he's actually said before, we've talked yeah. about like the new guy and the trike is like, no, I smashed them. They I get smashed it. like I everyone else. I'm just so, being a contrarian. He's just, he's messing around. But you know what? I've actually gotten my fair share of of the, they put me with the white belt thing but they know that if they're cool i'm cool but if they're not they know that i could that you're gonna yeah you're gonna not mess them, them up yeah but just let them know that like you don't know what you don't know you know what I'm i used saying? to be no i used to be that guy yeah it was like put that but put i that got new guy my, with milk and just my, in case this guy's coming here to share of the the guy who's like the swat guy who tries to like uchi but, but he's a white but belt. doesn't know it just like they're going off of like you know they watch rambo three he times has a, he has a lot of uh law enforcement uh, practitioners, uh, yeah. uh, practitioners who are in law enforcement, active law well, enforcement. Well, even even right, even so. at Felipe's gym, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I've gotten put guys. with some wild guys, you know, <laughs> and it's like They're then like, it's like then you it's put like, the cuffs hey, on me. <laughs> hey, you signed that waiver, yeah. buddy. <laughs> You're gonna get uh, it. Let's get it, bro. What's the next segment here? The drill down. And there we go. <laughs> we have the sound with high level here. High high level. You guys are so fancy. <laughs> yeah. This is like the fanciest podcast I've ever been on. Hold on. Right. As so I sit my mouth. We've got uh we did we call this segment the drill down. We've got a couple we Who you don't have that? you can elaborate on this. Fight? Justin actually suggested we Red had shirt. A, we had a listener suggest a, a name for this segment. Because <laughs> I used to call it the speed round and I'm like, this is longer than the whole podcast sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so we called it the drill down. So okay, so I'm going to go down these. You you may elaborate, and we'll maybe throw in some uh, follow up questions as well. But preference, gi or no gi? Mm, shit. Do you mm. actually have to give a real clear yes or no? No, answer? no that's what I said. You can absolutely absolutely elaborate. Okay, that's okay, why we okay. It. That's why We've we changed the name. Tell us to fuck off, both. You know. So, uh, how how shall I approach this conversation? So I started in the gi, 
Uh, there's a part of me that loves the gi and like loves the tradition of the gi. It's probably what I gravitate to more, uh, you know, naturally in. However, I started fighting no gi because when I was coming up, sometimes there was nobody left to fight in the gi. And the only way I could get more fights and get better was to take my gi off and go fight no gi. Um, this was not just per competition, but sometimes this was, uh, you know, like go fight MMA, go do the submission grappling. When I lived in Japan, you know, like it was a big thing. So, uh, I slowly started to appreciate no gi in a way because I found that it complemented my gi. So gi jujitsu for me felt like it could be very technical and beautiful, but then the no gi would make it a lot more explosive and fun and fast, right? Sometimes when I'm deeply in the gi, I actually don't like the, the no gi. Like I'm too far out of the element. You know, if it's, if it's a spectrum, I'm like way too far on the end of the gi spectrum. And then there's other times where I start to uh, ramp up on no gi and then I get away from doing the gi. So it's always a little bit of a back and forth. I respect both tremendously. I enjoy training both, but my gravitation to one or the other sort of fluctuates with time. Okay. We'll the, hand, the hand of the no gi kid. Yeah. Gets dropped down the cliff. <laughs> I don't know what does that mean. No, you you ever heard of like, it's like you're holding this and this in a hand over oh. a cliff and you have to let one go. That scenario. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. Same thing. Preference takedown or pull guard? Mm. Again, this is, man, you guys are really, you're getting me here. So takedown or pull guard traditionally i've always taken down i came up in a time where i think takedowns were more on trend uh but in the last i actually never pulled guard in competition until i was a black belt mm, fun fact uh because i i just never trusted it that much i always had a guard game but i just didn't do it a ton and when mm. I started training at Marcello's, uh, Tachi said, you know, you should try to pull guard sometime. And so I worked on some X guard pulls and different things. And I'm not sure why I've always trusted my takedown game more because I'm certainly not an expert. However, um, you know, I occasionally uh, train with different people. And one of my friends and training partners is uh, Junio Casio from oh, unity we've had Junie Junie. yeah junie's junie's a good dude the cookie monster um we've become great friends and he's teaching me a lot of awesome jujitsu and uh he said to me before i went to masters we were working together and he said you know what em he's like don't forget that you can pull guard too and he's like you actually have better hips than i think you realize and he goes don't forget that you can pull guard too and i think back to the fact that competitively from white belt to purple belt i rarely lost and although that might seem like a great thing um when you win i feel like at the time and maybe even still you don't always learn a lot from winning because when you win it almost reinforces the pattern of just keep doing whatever you're doing because you're winning and that's awesome and so my my pattern was take down past the guard finish from side control over and over and over again. And I was really good at doing that, but it became a, a hardened path for me. And when I was a brown belt, I fought someone and I got outclassed. I felt in, uh, in guard work. And so now when I think about fighting, I think about how much I've learned over my losses because they've helped me see these other holes or, or areas in my game that I could develop more. 
And so, you know, Junie didn't say that to me because my, uh, my guard, my guard game sucked, but he was like, Hey, like you should trust your guard a little bit more. So that, uh, tournament, the masters that just passed, I found myself pulling guard a lot because I just kind of had his voice in the back of my head. So it is, um, something I need to utilize more, something that I, I, I trust now. Um, but, uh, for whatever reason, it was just kind of hard lined inside of me to try to always take down. You know, it's funny. Our, I'm going to be launching an episode tomorrow morning, um, with Gannon, Gannon Lang. Gannon Lang said, he goes, I didn't really even start to learn takedowns till I was a brown belt. He mm-hmm. came from a guard pulling world. So it's kind of that, you know, yeah. it's like just like a different, you know, just a different yeah. time, a different, uh, well, I think the time that I started learning jujitsu it was still very much like the Gracies had such a heavy influence in it. And it was still more self-defense to jujitsu as opposed to sport jujitsu, everything. Right. And like the people that have started in the last five to eight years, like guard playing has become so popular that people are like, Oh, why do you need to take down? But, uh, yeah. So I, I like knowing that I can do both. You know, when I show up to a competition now, part of my mantra, like part of my affirmation consists of like, Give me anything you got. I got a fucking answer for anything, right? Like you want to stand, yeah. let's stand. You want to pull guard, let's fucking pull guard. Iron Chef. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. Here's a here's a different one for you. Music during rolling, yes or no? You guys have the radio uh, blasted. While we're rolling, yes. When I'm teaching, I don't like it. Okay. Uh, when I'm teaching, I feel like it's it makes my brain kind of uh, get a bit scattered. So. I like to turn the music off or on pause when I'm teaching, but when we're drilling or when we're training, absolutely. What's your go-to? Oh, fuck. (laughs) Well, I think if you were to ask my students, they would probably tell you it would be um, Pacific Northwest Grunge 1990 through 1996. So is it raining in there? Is the, I need to design is, a, a special edition flannel gi. Oh my gosh, oh, I would buy that. I'm a huge fan of flannel. It would, it would look, yeah, oh, that would be cool. It would look like, yeah. pajamas, really look like pajamas, right? It's a restaurant next <laughs> yeah. to your gym called Emo's so Pizza. That's, that's like Pearl Jam times, right? Pearl Jam. Yeah, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Pearl Jam, Nirvana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You that's know, right. Allison Chain. Allison you know, Chain. Like, uh, I'm uh, from Vancouver. The Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a 90s kid. I'm like 90s. Uh, I get like back in the nineties, I probably didn't listen to that music as much as I do now. Like I knew it, I listened to it, but if I was in the car, I was just like, no, gotta be tough. Let's put on the yeah. hip hop and you know, Dre. No well, you're you know? West Coast, you, you were no, West Coast, East Coast. No, in Miami. New York. No, I grew up oh, in New, New York. York. I'm, from, oh, okay. I'm from New York. I grew up on Long Island. So, you know, we okay. were wanna we were wannabe city kids. We were wanna be city tough. Like, yeah, yeah what? I know yeah. Slick yeah. Rick is. Slick Rick. You know, a little, a little bit of, a little bit of Chris Cornell never hurt anybody. Yeah. And, no. Rest uh, in peace. Yeah. So All that right. was my, All that right. was my, that that would probably be my students' first pick on like, oh yeah, Emily always listens to this. Second best would probably be like club music, nineteen ninety nine through two thousand four. Nice. <laughs> club my style. All right. Yeah. Like. Like, little like Ashanti, like R and B, like nineties R and B. Listen, that's yeah, all. Yeah. That's my my when my wife boy. and I, I've gone. We went to New York and we watched. Uh, there was a concert. We watched uh, Jagged Edge, uh, yes. One Twelve. Like oh, all yes. the, they did a whole concert. That. Stuff people. Uh, my wife actually like it was, it was like Brian McKnight was the headliner, 
but he oh. was so not like really that era of like that hip hop yeah. R&B. Yeah, yeah. He came on at the end and people were leaving, but that's who my wife wanted to see. That was like her favorite. Well, yeah, she Early Jay-Z, Dirt yeah. Off Your Shoulder, like oh, all yeah. that. Early yeah. Jay-Z. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my go-to in the car. Like that's I'm the like, blueprint. Siri, play some 90s R&B or I'll play like, I'll get into some like 90s hip hop, but they... When you ask Siri for 90s hip hop, it, it mixes in too much West Coast stuff like uh, that Ooh. I just didn't like listen Tupac to. Like Too Short and uh, Too Short's not lot, West Coast. He's from Michigan. He's well, from Detroit. It, it's like kind of like that, you know, it's not East Coast, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it's not that's Midwest. East Coast. Okay. Yeah. Right. Nobody ever says. And you don't like Remember chop, that, yeah, you remember don't like that Midwest beef with. <laughs> well, my wife's from Toledo, Ohio. So yeah, I do. We just lost all our Midwestern <laughs> listeners. Hey, man. Okay. No, go Bucks. Michigan sucks. <laughs> all right. Our next. Our next question is, I'm always curious about this because I know we both like, you know, we watch a lot of stuff and obviously these days with, with the internet, you can, you can just, you know, go down a rabbit hole of watching I wanted to stuff touch on all the internet long. stuff though. Do you watch mixed martial arts? Do you watch BJJ? Are you somebody that's going home and like, gotta, you know, gotta see the WNO on Friday or the fight to win? Are, are you that type of person? Or are you like, no, I'm doing that at the office. I'm coming home to get away from that. So... Um, I have never been someone who has been like a gigantic fan of the sport. Shame, shame. I know. Um, but I will say that I think it's fairly because I've been actively doing the sport. So, you know, a little example here. My husband is a huge fan of jujitsu. And when I, I used to work for Gracie magazine years ago when it was a magazine and when it first came to the United States in 2007. So, Jerry and I went to the Pan Ams in California and I was working with Luca Atala. Luca had to go to the bathroom or he went somewhere and I was standing at the table with the magazines and Kira Gracie and Tarsus Humphreys and like all these like big athletes started coming up and they would look at the magazines and they would want to take magazines and so they'd be like, Emily, is Luca here? And I'd be like, oh no, he just left. He'll be right back. And they're like, okay, I'll be right back. So they would come and go and come and go. Every time they came and went, Jerry would look at me and be like, oh, fuck, do you know who that is? And I'm like, nope, I don't I don't know. And he's like, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And he goes, this is your homework. Like, you should know this stuff because you work for Gracie Magazine. I was like, I don't really care. I was like, if they treat me like an asshole at the table or in the bullpen, they're just an asshole in my books. <laughs> I was like, I don't really care. Um, but I will say that now with... Uh, and. I, you know, I used to watch a lot of UFC when it first came out and they used to have one event every two or three months, you know, like I would watch Shamrock and Tito Ortiz and all those guys. Them days. But then when they started having events like every goddamn week, I was like, I can't keep, I don't even know any of the fighters anymore because there's so many of them, the turnover is so high, but I do like to watch friends. So if I have a friend or someone that I'm working with uh, in, in a coaching relationship and they're going to be competing in a big event. I, I, draw, I do my best to watch them because it's important for me to to see them do well. Okay. Uh, Follow-up question. What's a magazine? <laughs> yeah. okay. It's uh, where you put the bullets. It goes with cassettes. It goes along with... Oh, yeah. You're in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the Wild West down here. Whether you like it or not, you better, yeah. you better carry. We're like uh, Sweden, you know? Almost every citizen has a gun. So do you, you like to watch Friends. Who are some of your favorite competitors to watch? Let's name drop a little bit. So, okay, so let's see. Listen, I was really, I was so impressed by ADCC this year. I was a little salty too. Can I just admit, I was Ooh, a little salty. What are you salty about? Because 
when when we competed in ADCC in 2007, there was no TV screen, no internet for them to broadcast our images. We had like a piece of paper that had like cut out black and white photocopies of our faces pasted on it. (laughs) We had no jumpsuits, no fireworks. People were getting mugged in Trenton. Um, I mean, we've come a long way since 2007. So it was just incredible to see what a production ADCC was this year and the celebrity of jujitsu and just thinking, wow, you know what, this makes the case for some athletes being able to say when, or, you know, rightly so, um, uh, some of the athletes had also Amy Campo said, this is what I've been working for my entire life, right. You know, like for this moment. And I just think that it's so rad that we have grapplers that can say, I want to do that. And you know what, if they do it, they actually have a career where they can make money at it. You know, like yeah. I did not come from a generation where you actually could make money from you're still hard to hard to make money from it, but they could train full time and do it. So I was so impressed watching ADCC. That was one event that I did watch. Um, I love the Rotulo brothers. I think they're super fun and exciting to watch, but more, even more so like the thing that makes me more excited is I don't know them personally, but they seem to have just such a great positive energy for jujitsu. They don't fucking do foul ass things that I mean, hopefully never will, but like, you know, I don't, I don't know their background. They're building their background. a school in Costa Rica right now. Yeah, I know. Like they're just, yeah. they're just doing so many fun things. They want to and, surf and do jujitsu. Yep. And, and I love that they bring that playfulness to jujitsu and they, mm-hmm. and they, they keep it fun. They keep it real um, and exciting. And they're, and I love that about them. Um, I was so impressed with Amy Campo. Um, so impressed. Yeah. Like just what, what laser focus that, that woman has. Um, I loved watching uh, Fionn, I you know, I was Fionn's recently in the ridiculous. UK and I, uh, I had a, a, a conversation. I was on the podcast with, uh, Daniel Strauss from the raspberry ape and he had, you know, being that they're from the UK, he'd interviewed her a couple times and it's just so cool to see someone who has come after my time and like that they're what they can learn in jujitsu and how well they can do it, that they've been able to condense that time and do it at such a high level. So, um, I'm a big fan of hers. Like, I think that's awesome. Shout out Shout- to her. Can I just say, well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, but yeah. Ne- when I go on YouTube now and I'm looking for a move, I'm, she's in like the top three search. I, I think that's great. That's so cool. You know, that it, yeah. it, it's just a different time because of the exposure that she's gotten. Uh, I think she's already done something on Ga- Grappler's Guide. She's done a whole bunch of instructionals. I, maybe she did some of those before. I didn't see them, but like, it's definitely top, top three in the feed. She's one of the three the, in the feed when you look for anything these that days. That finals match against St. Marie, like also just her too. And she's from uh, she's from Canada. Don't steal my thunder. I was oh. holding my homegirl for last. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. Because so, they're, they're both super tenacious, especially when it comes to their takedown game. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, okay. So giving it up for more ladies, but like Brianna St. Marie, I've never met her personally. I really hope to. She's from Canada. Woo-hoo. Um, America's what a, what a What a fucking silent killer that woman is. You know, and, and actually that's the other thing that I, that I respect so much about these three women in particular. I don't know for certain, but it seems very rightly so. They don't seem to be juiced up on anything. They are, yeah. all three of them are extremely humble. None of them t- go around talking shit about anybody else or puffing their own, sh- you know, chests up. They won because they were just 
fucking good. And I love that. And I think it's such a positive, and same with the Rotola brothers. It's just such a positive message to send. Just do what you're good at and shut up. And it speaks for itself. Yeah. And they're also good to follow on Instagram because it's not a thirst trap, which makes it difficult as a dude who's a fan of jujitsu and like have a family and and I'm scrolling. It's just like, oh my God, I can't follow half of them, bro. Because it's just like, all right, I, I have to go. Honey, it's jujitsu. I I follow her because it's jujitsu. I don't it. look. Go to let me go to her page and show you. It's all jujitsu. Oops. Oh no. Okay. Wait. Forget it. No, it's not. I'm like your let husband. I'm like a super fan of the UFC. I'm a super. I mean, I watch Pride. I watch. You know, I all watch old school UFC. I watch. I watch Cage Wars. I watch Invicta. All I watch everything. Like I watch a lot of the promotions, and. Um, I have like a metric or like a rule with myself that's like when I follow somebody, girl, guy, whatever, as soon as the page turns from the <laughs> thing that I like, jujitsu, fighting, wrestling, sambo, whatever I'm watching, to thirst trap or like I'm selling timeshares or like I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's good. It's yeah. a weird thing. But, you know, and I'll. But they're trying to make and, their money. It's tough to be. It's such a young sport, too. Like it's good. You got guys who are finally making you know six seven figures not seven six five six figures for a match you know and and getting sponsor money and being able to open their own gyms and and we have a new there's a new wave of jujitsu you know they're they're, they're younger and they're smarter man but like do you like do you like the change that's part of it that's part of the the, that's i think that's what i don't like about the change is the that the business is driven by the the clickiness and the you got to do it yeah. this way and you got to show you make, booty or yeah, you, you got to make off. a face in your thumbnail. So people will click on it because psychologically more people look at that. Like, I just don't like it. How do you but feel I mean, about look, how things have changed? Oh man, I got a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> um, I got a lot of thoughts on that. I will say that I think that, uh, you know, we've become an increasingly externally oriented society where, it's not really about ourselves. It's about what entertains us and what the crowd's into. And we're super socialized to be conditioned to follow those things. It's very difficult for someone to not be wrapped up in all of that. Um, I do think quality speaks for itself. It's, it might be a slower rise to not engage in all that. Like, for example, I am not, I don't, I don't use Instagram properly. I know this. I'm totally okay with it. I don't like taking videos of myself everywhere. I can't just, you know, be selling products and trying to get everybody, you know, like I just don't do it. Um, I started using social media a long time ago just to keep in touch with my friends and family around the world. And um, I largely kind of keep that up, except now it maybe includes people that follow what I do, but I don't do what I do to get more clicks and I don't do what I do to attract more followers. I kind of figure if what I'm doing resonates with you, and I'm internally directed in what I'm doing, then maybe we're gonna work together. And for me, that's worked out really well. But I would say that I came at a time where your reputation had to precede you. Now you have people that are full of shit that are, you know, I have 50,000, you know, Instagram followers and look at what I can do. And I'm just like, what are you doing that has any value in jujitsu? <laughs> I mean, it goes back to what we said before, right? Just because somebody has a certain color belt or a certain amount of stripes, it doesn't make them a good person. It doesn't make them have more knowledge. It just means that they have that color belt with that many stripes. You you have to dig a little deeper. It's not about jujitsu at that point. They're just making money. That's what I'm saying. It's just, they're just making money. Like, I don't even blame them for that. Can I I say this is a good point to just kind of mention 
personally, one of the reasons that I named this Jiu-Jitsu Dummies was because I never wanted anybody to think that I was sitting up here and I wanted to be the dummy. I wanted us to be talking to somebody. We want to learn. We want to absorb because we know nothing. Mm. And Jiu-Jitsu Idiots was a little too strong. So we went with yeah. Jiu-Jitsu Dummies for the play up, on the yeah. word and, 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 you know, the play on grappling dummies and things like that. But it, that, that was on purpose because I never wanted to feel like that. Like, oh, well, let's get on the mat and see what you really got. And you can, like, it never, I would never wanted it to be that. It was truly us just wanting to talk about jujitsu and, and learn something from, from the guests, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, hearing cool stories about, you know, the history of jujitsu or where they trained or Marcelo or this or that, right? Like, that's always what we wanted to do and never wanted it to be like about us. We talk about ourselves and we talk about our personal stuff, but I purposely wanted to name it something self-deprecating so that we were never perceived like that. And if hmm. anybody, I, I've never gotten a message that anybody says, hey, get off your heart. And if they did, I'd be like, you realize you're watching a show or listening to a show called Jiu-Jitsu Dummies. And, you right, you know, yeah. right? So, like, you know, come on. You so, play, anyway, you I'm sorry. Your, you so played yourself. I just no, kind no. of wanted to throw that in there. But, uh, you know, so I do think that, um, I do think that it's, we're in an interesting time where I'm not sure that we know that what we're getting is real quality all the time. Right. But, uh, and you know, you were, you were also saying about needing to make money. Uh, I do question like what these athletes that are coming up value. Is it exposure? Is it making money? Is it just being good at jujitsu? Because does every athlete who starts practicing jujitsu really want to open up a school or are we conditioned to think that that's what you're supposed to do when you've made it right? Are we looking at a future where maybe there are some athletes that have the opportunity to be really good at jujitsu and to continue just being really good at jujitsu? Because the responsibility of owning a school and mentoring others is a big responsibility that not everybody wants. Um, but but I think some of us get pushed into because we go, oh, well, this is the natural path. This is what I'm supposed to do. But I do think we're kind of starting to see an age where maybe there will be more mainstream interest or there will be enough uh, captured interest in the jujitsu community to help propel some athletes into full-time athletic careers, as opposed to having to do something that they might not want to do. Right. Because that I see a lot of the money grabbing too, because you see athletes in in transition, they don't want to compete anymore, or they've kind of aged out. And then they go, well, what am I going to do next? And it's just like, well, let me sell protein powder and let me make some booty shaking videos on TikTok. Let me start an OnlyFans account. Let me do this. Let me do that. You know, and it's like, well, what is your plan, really? Do you have one? I don't think you. I, I don't think you do. I, I want a professional jujitsu league so bad. I just do. Kind I of just, like once you, I once don't cha- like. I, I think one championship is kind of I, getting there yeah. and giving us that in kind of in that shell of MMA. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I want, I like but I want, I want like IBJJF to like have a professional IBJJF, like where USADA is involved, where there's yeah. there's weight classes, there's a standard uniform. You know, like I just, I just, it, the money's not there to do it, but like, I wish it was because like, it's, kinda... I don't think it's about money. I think it's about qualified leadership. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of people not talk very nicely about certain organizations and because of like how they, how they handle their funds or even like what their vision is. Well, I don't even think it's about IBJJF or this organization or that organization. And I'll say this, I, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag, but I recently met somebody in the jiu-jitsu community who has very strong, let's say, management and ethical 
qualifications from other highly respected and visible industries that is now connected to jujitsu. And we started talking about what we might potentially do to raise the bar of professionalism within the sport for everybody. Mm -hmm. And we don't see it as a movement or something that we would create to compete with any of the organizations that are already established. Be what you want to think of the IBJJF or ADCC or whatever the organization is. ADCC is pretty pro. But it's if we have, as you get. right. But well, it, but if we have something that sort of helps everybody get behind, I don't know if re- regulating might be too strong of a word, but just raising the bar on how we how we treat one another and how the sport grows. Like, how is this bad for anybody? Right. So, I, I say that with like. I don't think it's like calling other organizations out for bad leadership. I just think that sometimes we can learn a lot from uh, some of the other professional sports that exist, that that exist. Something different. And I think we're just at the point where we might start to see some of that getting integrated. I hope it happens. What about about at the school level? Because you're talking about at the competitor level. Right. No, I'm or, talking or about it all levels. At the, okay, because I, I'm I was going to go back to our earlier conversation about what has to change at the school level because there's really like there's no governing body or any regulations that you have to follow other than the typical business regulations that you have to follow in your state or county or city, right? It, it is kind of a free-for-all. Anybody can open up a jiu-jitsu academy or a martial arts academy. Let's, let's include it all. Anybody mm-hmm. can open up an academy and call themselves a professor or a sensei. Um, does that need to change? Can it change? Is that, is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. Like you see, you see the IBJJF, uh, you know, they're sort of privately funded, but like you see them trying to organize some things, right? So like even let's just something as simple as black belts. So you had to be a black belt before you could give out a black belt. Now it's you have to be a second degree black belt to give out a black belt. Now it's you have to be a third degree black belt to get. So there's one organization that's doing something to sort of qualify rank, right? And then. There's the bigger question of like, well, it, now we have to do background checks to get this rank and to do that. But like, what does that mean about the school? Because a lot of bad things can happen in schools. So who regulates all of that and who cares? And for the time being, I think it's been just so variable and again, lineage based, right? Like a lot of behavior is passed down because somebody said it was okay. And then they created a bunch of followers that then perpetuated the same type of behavior. Well, I think as the sport has grown, it's now being practiced outside of Brazil. It's practiced in the United States, in Australia, all parts of Europe. It's popping up in uh, other parts of the world as well, right? India. Um, so what I'm talking about is a way in which we can create more inclusivity uh, and safety, you know, and, and fairness amongst the people who actually want to practice it and and for all of us to hold that those common values. I think for the time being, we don't actually... I don't think we've even articulated the values very well. It's just been about making money or surviving, right? And now I think we're at a point where maybe the conversation can evolve to things that will help the whole sport and the whole business grow for everybody. Um, I do think that things like this have to be opt-in. Like I think when things get too tightly regulated, it automatically starts to repel or exclude certain people. Um, so I would love to see something that's organized that pulls people together because everybody wants to do better, right? Whether it's in performance or, you know, they want to make more money or they want to have a bigger school. Everybody wants to do better. So that's where I'd like to okay. see it all go. So I, it, it kind of flows into my next question and, and maybe you just answered it. What is your ultimate goal 
in the world of jujitsu? You know, it's so funny you should ask this because um, I think, I think, you know, I, I said earlier, like I just do, like I don't always know what I'm doing. And I, and I think that I, I reckon that most people are in this, in this seat most of the time, they don't know what they're doing all the time. Um, but I know that I've always been drawn to doing certain things. Um, I like to collaborate. Um, I, I guess I like to lead cause I, I'm always doing something in that capacity. Um, I like to break barriers, you know, I like to make f- people feel good about what they're doing. And I like people to know that, that, you know, that their dream is, uh, is possible, right? You, you can succeed. If I could succeed, you, you could succeed. I never started out thinking that I was going to be anybody in this sport or be a world champion or any of that. So, um, I want people to see all of those things. And I think I've tried to express that in various ways, whether it was as an individual, as a school owner, uh, as somebody who leads camps and seminars with, with my, one of my other partners, Hanette Stack and now Jazari Matuda. Um, we've done it in so many different capacities and I had a really, really inspiring call earlier today, uh, with someone who, as I said, has, has some juice and qualifications to, I think, like raise the level of what we do all together as a sport. And I don't think I've ever felt so aligned and so excited to spearhead something to pull the entire community together. And so I think that really like I've tried to check all the boxes, right? So I've been a competitor. I've been a student. I've been a teacher. I've been a business owner. I've worked for a magazine. I've, you know, I refereed. I've tried to check all the boxes in all the various categories in some ways, maybe to try to make me a little bulletproof so that when this mission comes, people can't point their fingers and say, well, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> because yeah. I do now. Now I do, right? Like I've done all of this shit. I've done what you've done and I've done what they've done. And from, from seeing the jujitsu world so broadly, I want to take that level of experience I have in all these different arenas to do something that will level our game up as a whole. A um, little too early to fully describe exactly what's going on, but because uh, it's still in the early stages, but it's I think it's going to be something big. I, I hope it's something that everybody else is motivated to do. And uh, yeah, I, I just I want to make jujitsu a safer, more inclusive and fair place for everyone. So that's something I'm very excited about focusing my attention Please on. Please come back and talk to us about that when, when you can yeah. yes. let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, I will. I mean, I, we're in early stages, but I, I will say that um, like attracts like, you know, I think it's, I think it's really cool that people with these kinds of qualifications and experience have come out of the woodwork to say, Hey, like, I like what you do. Maybe we can work together. And I'm like, fuck yes. I've been waiting for you, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. because awesome. I, I tell you, there's been so many, so many people over the years that are like, can you do something about this? Can you say something about that? You're a leader. People will listen to you. And it's not that I don't want to help. And it's not that I don't believe them, but sometimes I don't think it's the right time for us to pull that trigger. And sometimes I feel like I'm not qualified enough. Like I'm waiting for more information or I'm waiting for more, um, context you know whatever it might be and i i really do feel like we're starting to hit the tip of the tip of the spear and jujitsu is big enough where it's going to matter 
you know, like it's, I think jujitsu is ready for us to organize it in a more sophisticated way. And it, I, I think up until now it hasn't been, I mean, I often refer to jujitsu as a gutter sport because of all the terrible shitty things that happen within it. Um, so I'm hoping that whatever it is that we do will save and spare people from some of my negative experiences, some of your negative experiences, you know, there's a lot that we can do better and it's time it's time that we start doing that. Miguel has your very last question. It's a pretty important one. Big okay. It's a big yeah. one. Do you or do you not wash your jiu-jitsu belt? Oh, well, mm. uh, before I answer that question, <laughs> what do you think I do? I think you wash it. I think you wash it. I think, hold on, can I go a little further? I'm going to say I think that you probably like a lot of people didn't wash it in the beginning because you were told not to, but you've smartened up and now you wash your belt. Leading the witness. Objection. (laughs) (laughs) So I will admit that I do not. (laughs) Dirty. Thank you for joining us, Emily. However, (laughs) However, in my defense, I will say I have like, and black belts mm-hmm. because Nobody I'm always forgetting them. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying that. I I don't like, I, I always leave them places. And so I'm always needing one to go to this seminar or pack in my suitcase or at the school. So I have like 10 black I could relate. Belts. I could relate. Okay. And um, I mean, I guess, I guess the defense could be that my belt could still pick up the sweat of others, but if you ask many of my students, they will tell you Emily doesn't sweat when she trains. I perspire. <laughs> yeah. I see like you're like you're trying to say something like my wife. She says, I don't sweat, I glisten. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Something like I that. Mean, That's what you're trying to say. Okay. And you're from the Pacific. I do, Northwest. I do, I do. We, I do, but we, it, it just doesn't soak it doesn't soak through. We will not hold it against you. But <laughs> not holding anything against you. Not that dirty belt. But I will But <laughs> let me tell you, back back in the what day. I said, I'm not holding anything against you with that dirty belt. <laughs> Back in the day when I trained at Henzo's, this is like, you know, 2000, 2001. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have come across people that did this, but we would wear our geese in the dead heat of New York summer. Okay. So you know what this is like, Milton. 105 degree on concrete, like stank ass New York summer. I, I'm not going to lie. I grew up in the wilderness. I grew up oh, way shit. out on Long Island. So oh concrete God. jungle. So I you're was, not I real. Not live, I've, no. Yeah. no. I've worked okay. in Soho. No, I, I did, I've worked I did in Soho not, in but the I've, summer. I visited <laughs> enough and I went to see family and things like that. So I do get it. It's hot okay. as shit. I, I've, it's I've, hot I've, as shit. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross bad. outside. There were days that you would hear that there was heat warnings, right? And I trained at Henzo's original school in Manhattan, which was on the 38th floor of a methadone. There was a methadone crack clinic yep. underneath I us. hear about that yeah. a lot. <laughs> we just had Coach and, Mike on. Yeah. I mean, imagine yeah. that. A young woman, a young, impressionable 19, 20-year-old woman walking into this building to train jujitsu. Kind of crazy. Okay. But we would wear our... I had one Howard gi. I still have it. I still have it in my closet. And you would wear the gi in this summer heat with no AC and you would sweat through it. And there would be puddles of sweat at the end of class. You would sweat through it with everybody else. 
take it off, hang it on the locker, leave, and come back the next day and put it back on. Nice. And we would we would do this maybe four or five times before you would actually take the ghee home and wash it. Yeah. This is a true story. This is a true I, story. I, I played sports in junior high. I quit before high school. But that's like when we used to, I played a little bit of football and like you took everything off and just threw it in the locker, came back yeah. the next day and like everybody be, throw like, it back on. be like, you know, taking deodorant and spraying it on the, the equipment so you were gross. about to put on. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. But I will say, I, I will, I, I'm going to give a, a shameless plug for a company that I, I, I managed to finagle some free samples from and, and I'll put this out there for anybody in the jujitsu community that wants to reach out to me because I'll hook you up with them. But I found somebody told me I went to do a seminar in Halifax and someone's mother told me about how stanky their children's skis were. And so they said, you know, the only thing I use to wash the gear is this detergent called Hex. And I was like, oh, what is that? And I don't know if you guys have used it, but it's it's not really for ghee. It's ghee. It's more for like performance fab fabrics like spandex and things mm-hmm. for rash guards, sports before. bras. Yeah. So they're kind of a young company. And I reached out to them. I said, do you like ever work with different groups of people? And they're like, yeah, what did you have in mind? I said, well, jujitsu needs you. And so I started speaking with them and they sent me like hundreds of free samples and coupons. And then I sent them a list of like, I don't know, 15 friends who had schools that also got the same. So if you would like to smell better or you would like your students to smell better, please reach out to me and let me know. There you go. All right. I like it. Find out what the <laughs> hex is going on. Cleaning, <laughs> cleaning up jujitsu from all sides. I all love sides. It. All and sides. there's no kickback. Inside, outside. Outside. You're like you're like a you're like a born again belt washer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah throw happens. that belt in the wash next time. You wash I went to gay. Christian jujitsu school when I was a young boy. <laughs> and well, I was with, with uh, you just shouted out hex. Uh, we'd love to give you a minute to or as much time as you need to shout out, say hello to anybody, any shout out sponsors. This is your time. Your gym. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. tell, and tell us where your gym is and where we yeah. can find you on social media. Oh yes. Okay. So, uh, my gym is in Princeton, New Jersey. It's Princeton BJJ. If anybody would like to drop by, um, I didn't say this on the podcast, but I think that, you know, I've tried to cultivate the community in my school to be something that is sustainable, which means that I am not the person at the front of the room all the time. Um, I try to generate opportunities for other people to step up and teach. And I think from working in so many schools over the years and visiting so many schools, um, sustainable environments where everybody's happy are ones where it's a collaborative environment. You know, like when the instructor has been the head teacher for too long, and they don't want to do it anymore. It's it's not a fun scene. So um, if anyone wants to come by, please, uh, the, our doors are open to everybody. Um, I am, let's see, what else do I do? I work with uh, Hanette Stack and uh, Jazari Matuda uh, with a company or a group that we call Groundswell Grappling Concepts. We just got back from an incredible BJJ and surf camp that we did in Panama last week. Um, so we're going to be doing some uh, more camps in the coming year. We'll, we'll be returning to Panama next year as well. Uh, and I got to say, like the relationship between uh, surf and jujitsu is pretty darn awesome just to get into flow and to be a beginner again at something has been super cool. So we have been, Hanette and I have been running camps together for uh, quite a long time. 
And uh, we don't only do women's only events, but we also try to do co-ed events um, to just set a different norm, you know, of like, guys can come learn from women too, and they can enjoy it. <laughs> so sure. that's been, that's been super fun. Um, Show Your Role has been a great sponsor to me for so many years. I, as I mentioned Bear earlier, uh, I think he's a true uh, cultural leader. There's something really special about the way he thinks about jujitsu and what he thinks about um, culture. And I think, I think we need more of that. So they are awesome. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, you know, shout out to my husband, Jerry, for holding down the fort with our what crazy up, children. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my, my business partner, Art, for holding down the school when, when I'm out. Yeah, I, it takes a village, guys, to, to make anything happen. I'm super grateful for the people that have been here on my journey. And uh, I hope to be there for, for others. Very cool. That's awesome. Once again, listen, thank you so much. I've had, it's been two hours. Um, so I, <laughs> I have a, a, a clock. I don't know if you realize that. Uh, it's been two hours. That time travel. Yeah. I, I usually have a timer going. Uh, when I barely look at it and I don't really realize what time it is, is when I know we had a really good podcast and a great yeah. guest. So You're extremely th- articulate. Thank you so much. Again, listen, I said don't hang up. We're going to come take some pictures. But thank you so much for doing this. We really yeah. appreciate you coming thank on. Thank you. And, and I hope you had a good time. Hope you didn't. I hope I didn't bore you or your listeners. No, I wasn't boring. No, was, I'm going to say this a lot is of nuggets. Probably one of my favorites that we've done. So thank you so much. Yep. Sweet. Thanks, right. dudes. Thank you very much. You get to meet Bo now. Thank you to Neutral Zone CBD, a combat family-owned company that supports athletes and the people who love them. Neutral Zone strives to deliver clean CBD products for sports recovery in gummies, lotions, balms, roll-ons, and more. After a competition, a hard rolling session, or a tough day on the job, Neutral Zone has a product designed to help you reduce inflammation, increase cell rejuvenation, and may even help with aging joints. Visit NeutralZoneCBD.com and get 25% off your order with code JJD. And follow them on Instagram too, at MyNeutralZone. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at the BJJ Box. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a Jiu-Jitsu Dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD. Great episode. Yeah, I feel uh, like I, she's a black belt at talking. I, <laughs> I feel I feel smarter now than when I, feel I, when I came here. Why? 
just because she was so smart. Oh, you know? no, I feel like I she had a lot of really good, no, good things perspectives. to say. And, good perspectives. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, She's an OG black belt. I mean, how many OG yeah. black belts have we talked to that we feel the same way afterwards? And, and I think that she's not scared to have the tough conversations and she's not scared to talk a little tough about what needs to be fixed. Yeah. Where I think, I I know for me, the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't give a fuck what some idiot says, you know, like. Oh, like I tell uh, you not to like, worry about. What yeah, like I, I, well, I'm not, I'm not as con- self conscious about giving my opinion. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, yeah, this you're is what I think. Have, you know? uh... No, I think, but I think there's a certain time, like you know, again, like you're, you again, we said it during the episode. Like sometimes you're like, oh, you worry too much about what people saying. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of trying to be conscious when of people's feelings. Nice, I mean, but when it comes to your jujitsu, I mean, you know it pretty well. You've been doing it for a while. Yeah, you know, there's some, I'm, there's something that you do. I'm sure with people that you roll with, uh, almost at any level, where the other person's like, hey, how did you do that? Like, I know what that move is, obviously, but how did you do that? You know, and that's the reason why there's 47 million instructionals because. The way Jim Bob does a Kimura and the way Billy Jane does a Kimura. Well, I, I'm saying those still go back to like, I'm, like she was talking about, like, the, I'm not going to say exactly this way. It wasn't her wording, but like a need for some regulation or like something that more like a governing body. I, I think she was trying to avoid saying governing body, but yeah. there needs to be something. An like accreditation. Yeah, there's sorts. like, I mean, is it just IBJJF who, they don't come to your gym, they don't check you out, they don't inspect you, they don't, you know. I don't know how they operate. Right? Yeah, I mean, well, they don't, they don't come out and check your no, like, right? Uh, so there's like, it's a free-for-all, not just jujitsu, but martial arts in it's general. It's somewhat, there's like a, mm-hmm. you know when you pull up to a community and there's a gate, but you just drive up to it and it comes up, so like, it, it just and makes it the dummies, it in, makes yeah. the dummies go away. You know, it's got, you. they kind of got okay. a little bit of a. Okay. Yeah, well, there's no I guess, security guard. I, I guess, there. like, when you're talking about, like she mentioned, I, I didn't know this. It's but, very difficult. There's no solution, and that's why we're talking well, about it the way we are. That you can only, that now, like, a two-stripe white, a, two, a two-stripe black belt, black belt, or let's just to degrees, promote a black belt. A third-degree black belt um, to promote somebody else a black belt. Yeah. I mean, that it wasn't always like that, right? So, like, things like that. I think that helps avoid just people giving away black belts just to like, oh, he wants to open a gym when I give him his black yeah, belt. Yeah, belt farms are a problem yeah. well, for sure. Well, she was a great guest. I, I really enjoyed myself, and I really do feel uh, I like the, a little bit the, smarter. And the strong female <laughs> the strong female perspective, the not playing the victim thing, yeah. the training while pregnant. I've never heard anybody yeah. talk about training while pregnant. I didn't even think yeah. about it. Well, how I, many I, pregnant I, girls have you seen train? I mean, it was interesting that she, you know, I was... When I said, you know, I asked the mom and she's kind of like, no, you should look at it the other way. You, you know, don't treat her like a delicate flower. Go ask her to train if you think she's yeah. worthy. Why you don't got to ask mom. I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Thought yeah. I was doing something respectful or again, you don't know. What, you didn't come from it you know, from a bad place. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. me like, you know, but just didn't want to be like the old creeper being like, you want to roll? So, yeah, but you you're, know, not like, a, you're not an old creeper. Yeah, I know. And they know that, but yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, check us out at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Uh, IG is where we have the you know the, the best conversations. That's where we and chill. actually, uh, That's where we, chill. we uh, and TikTok's growing. And uh, funny enough, like the the last video that we posted with Lydia, yep, uh, Bergamasco, Lydia Coleman Bergamasco, mm-hmm. um, the one that she talked about, like guys not going hard on women, or she was like, 
I'm, I'm going to have a conversation if somebody's, you know, bringing the wrath of God. Yeah. Um, we've never had more comments or a bigger conversation than in that yeah. on Instagram or TikTok. We've never had a bigger conversation in the comments. And some of it is really stupid. It's the first time I've jumped in and been like, somebody says something stupid. I'm like, what's your belt rank and how long have you been training? Because right. I want to know, like, if you're saying something so stupid about like women's right, what happened to women's rights? What happened to women are equal? It's not, well, you, okay, so with that thinking, would you go hard on a five-year-old? Yeah. Would you go real hard with a 10-year-old? There's a right? difference. Yeah, like, there's you know, a There's a size difference. Yeah, I, there's a size and a strength so difference. Dude, even, just, even dude on dude, when I roll with somebody who weighs 115 pounds or 120 yeah, pounds, I don't that's go a as hard. dude. Yeah, you don't crush him. So the last guy that I asked, he said he was a, like a third-degree black belt that I'm just like. No, you're not. You're not. Yeah. I, I I think I went to his feet, if I'm not mistaken. That was I went to his feet and was like, no jujitsu. Not a, one jujitsu post, nothing referencing jujitsu. Again, it's TikTok, so he didn't have a lot of content, but I, I think it's stupid. But check us out on TikTok at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Podcast, ad podcast uh, on, uh, on on TikTok. But uh, it's at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I'm Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. Uh, JJD underscore DJJ69. Bo. At B-A-D-W-E-R-K-S. Very cool. Very cool. All right. That's it. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. Peace, love, jujitsu. Let's take it easy, y'all.